everybody. Lance Russell and Dave Brown right along ringside. By golly, we're about ready to go with more big action. Thank you very much, and welcome to Georgia Championship Wrestling. I'm Gordon Sully, your host, and we have quite an hour in store for us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Championship Wrestling at ringside. This is Vince McMahon, along with wrestling's only living legend, Bruno Sammartino. Welcome to this week's edition of Mid-South Wrestling Television. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, another outstanding card. Hey, guys, and welcome back to another edition of the Regional Wrestling Podcast, where we talk the territories. That's right, 100% guaranteed territory talk each and every time out here on the show. And I'm your host, Ray Russell, and this week here on Regional Wrestling, going to close out the month of January in 1985 for the Memphis Territory with guest Gene Jackson. Can't wait to get to that in just a couple minutes. It's safe to say always something new and unique in the Memphis Territory each and every week here on the show, from This Is Your Life, Jerry Lawler, to Broken Rings, Playboy Frazier's Nuggets. Ah, he is shaking the Nuggets off right now, Randy. Mike Sharp's Mistakes. He wants to get in there, and he wants this stretcher. What do they call this, a stretcher match? Is this what they call this? Uh, you got a title on the line. I know oh, that's okay, it's not a stretcher match. This is a title match right here. And the Dirty White Boys receiving gift cards to TGI Friday, only in Memphis. And before we get going, just a friendly reminder that you guys can listen to the Regional Wrestling Podcast and our sister shows, like the Wrestling Memory Grenade, currently covering the 1988 and the WWF Project. Heading into WrestleMania 4 over there on the grenade. Also, you can listen to the Wrestling Stoop with the legend himself, Bob Roop. Bob goes back in time and talks about his 20-year career in the wrestling industry, both in the ring as well as behind the scenes. Also coming to the brand, it's the Pearl Wrestling Academy podcast with the Professor Pearl Raceu himself, Mr. Dan Janetti. So happy to announce that Dan is joining the brand as he breaks down the history of Japanese professional wrestling. And you can listen to all of those shows and more, all part of the WrestleCopia podcast network located over at WrestleCopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com and anywhere your podcast streaming needs are met, from Apple to Spotify, Pocket Cast, and beyond. And be sure to follow me on social media, guys, for all the latest goings on here at the WrestleCopia podcast network. Plus, I'm constantly adding old school video clips and pictures from throughout wrestling history. And you can find me over there on X, formerly Twitter, at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also, follow and like me, Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. Over 9,000 followers over there on Facebook and counting. And hey, while you're at it, why not subscribe to my YouTube channel, guys? YouTube.com slash Wrestling Grenade. If you guys have been paying attention, you know I've been adding the Memphis shows along with the episodes I drop with Gene Jackson, Steve Crawford. You know I've been dropping the UWF shows with the shows I've been doing here with Roman Gomez. Well, by August time, guys, here with Jamie Ward in Georgia, we're going to start dropping the Georgia shows as often as I can on my YouTube channel as well. And hey, some of the more recent July episodes also been going up lately there on YouTube. So check it out. And last but certainly not least, now would be a fantastic time to become a WrestleCopia patron. And you can find me over there at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That address again, patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. And of course, I'm bringing to you guys that $5 all-access tier. Gets you all sorts of gifts for just 5 bucks, including all of my insanely detailed show notes for every episode of The Grenade, Monday Warfare, and of course, the Regional Wrestling Podcast. You'll also get early access to many of the podcasts here on WrestleCopia. 
where you can listen days and sometimes as much as a week earlier than the rest of the listeners. In fact, episode 38 of Regional Wrestling dropped five days early. Episode 39 of Regional Wrestling dropped one week early. And this episode right here of Regional Wrestling dropped a week early also, only on Patreon. But I'm not done. You'll also get remastered versions of the earliest episodes of The Grenade Show, covering the 1989 NWA project. Includes enhanced sound quality, plus new content and conversation never heard before. But that's still not all. You also get digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure, and of course, the Patreon-exclusive Watch Along series, covering many past WWF and WCW events. And there's even random bonus video drops from time to time, and of course, you're going to want to be part of the upcoming video casts. Watch along with us as we cover many past wrestling events for the United States, Japan, and beyond. No stone left unturned, including Grunt the Wrestling Movie, coming very soon. Thanks to co-host Gene Jackson with that one. So it's going to be a fun time over there on Patreon. And you get all of that for the low, low price of just $5. No subscription. Cancel any time. Give it a try for a month. I think you'll like all the content that we offer. And every penny of it goes right back here into paying the bills to keep the WrestleCopia Podcast Network and all of the wonderful shows here up and running for the months and the years to come. All right, with all that said, time to dive back into 1985 in the Memphis Territory, heading back to the CWA and Jerry Jarrett Promotions. Okay, guys, not going to waste any time. Going to bring him back. Always a good time here on the show whenever we see Gene Jackson around. So welcome him back for more Memphis 85. Welcome back, as I said, Gene Jackson. All right, we're ready to take another trip back to Memphis in 1985. Ray, are you excited? Well, I was until, well, I mean, I I watched the show. (laughs) No, I'm absolutely super excited, Gene. I can't wait to get get it going here. Yeah, man, it's... uh, it was quite an interesting week in the Memphis territory. That's for, that's for sure. And uh, in the immortal I, words of Larry David, curb your enthusiasm. I cannot wait until we get out of the winter here in <laughs> 1985 Memphis. I'll say that much. Yeah, it leaves a little bit to be desired, but we're going to have some fun with it. Like I say, it's it's not the best that Memphis have to, has to offer, but there is some uh, there is some entertainment as perverse as it may be at times uh to be found sure where you look for it if you know what you're looking for you can find it certainly here in the memphis territory anyway and uh remind me later in the show gene if if you remember by that point that i had an epiphany after i I watched this program if you can remember at the end of the show it maybe we'll call back to that because i'll get into it there i don't want to spoil everybody with my thoughts heading into the show but uh after watching it i said why the and then i was like maybe because and then and then we'll talk about it then. Ah, uh, I can't wait to hear it. 
Yeah. So uh, anyways, recap real quick, guys. Last week on uh, Memphis, the Memphis edition of Regional Wrestling, it was the January 21st Night of Champions at the Mid-South Coliseum, but it was canceled due to inclement weather. Uh, But we covered last week's TV, the Jerry Lawler show, the Louisville Gardens, and the tickets being sold at the local Tasty Freeze. So (laughs) lots of great stuff on the last episode. Uh, But we fast forward a week here, guys, and we move on to the weekend of January 26th, Saturday morning. But before we get going, I actually queued up a promo that aired during the Jackson, Mississippi arena show uh, involving Lance Russell speaking with the once again Southern Tag Team Champions, the interns. We had them, and here they are. You can't miss them. I'm talking about the interns, the AWA Southern Tag Champions standing right here with their belts. And we at least will say this. We appreciate you coming by, to be honest, because we want to ask you about those titles. You know, well, first, let me ask you a question. Just a minute there you go. You said you guys are very controversial. Yeah, there's now, no question about it. <laughs> don't that mean everybody talks about you? Yeah, they talk about Woo! you. Baby. They say so a lot they, of different if, things. Well, now, wait a minute. If they talk about you, you got to be on their minds, right? Right, baby. Yeah. And when you're the Southern Heavyweight Champions, Jack, that's where you want to be, on everybody's the people's minds, on everybody's minds, because we are proud to be the Southern Heavyweight Champions. We are proud to represent this area as Southern Heavyweight Champions. Well, for a little while, you weren't the Southern Tag Team Champions because the belts were held up in a match with the Dirty White Boys, and it resulted in a tournament following that. Well, let me explain to you, Lance Russell. The fans were crying, the promotions crying, hey, what are you going to do about these guys? What are you going to do about this? Well, they tried to pull a big swerve on us and get them belts held up so somebody else could win these belts. Uh-huh. They flew teams in from everywhere, all over the country. Big but you see, Jack, right here in the end, Who's got the it? class stands alone, baby. It's just like trying to run jackasses against Secretariat, baby. This can't win. Yeah. I know one thing. The dirty white boys, doggone near, had you beat and clear, and the referee had a situation where he had to make a decision on it. He was caught after being dazed in there, I might say being knocked down in there, where ultimately they had to hold the belts up. The dirty white boys thought they should have had them, and of course you guys were screaming, they're our belts and we should have them in there. But that isn't what happened following the match we're going to take a look at. Well, in the end, baby, we don't care about the buts, if, ands, or ours. We care about what happens in the end, and right here yeah. is the end. Right here. There it was. The belts held up. Then the tournament was held despite you guys complaining about it. And you had a match. You went all the way to the finals against the Rock and Roll Express. And again, people were complaining about how you won that match. Lance Russell, that's your opinion. Those people love us, and you know it. You're out here trying to lie to these people and tell them something that's not absolutely true. Now, let me tell these people something that you didn't tell them. We wrestled in a tournament four matches. We had a total of 12 minutes in four matches. Now, what does that tell you? Yeah, you bet. <laughs> okay, you want them. But let's take a look and let the people decide when you wrestle the Rock and Roll Express for the titles. Well, okay. There is a match where you want it with a Rock and Roll Express. Here's the big question now. You finally have agreed, I guess you agreed, your name's on the contract, to a return match with the fabulous one. Well, you know what it was, Lance Russell, all the time it wasn't us, it was those boys. I tell you, Ray Charles could see through their act. They had to lead each other up to the contract signing, and one had to hold the other's hand while they signed their names down, Jack. They shook so much, it was sweat all around them. I'll tell you one thing, they know what they're in for, brother, and they only got a sample. 
Stan and Steve, you only got a sample, brother, of what's yet to come. Because when you come from this, you're taking something, brother, that means a lot to us. And when it comes down to the final get-go, baby, we want the bucks, we want the gold. And right here's where it is. Feel it, Lance Russell. That's now, what's okay. caused all the controversy, baby. Yeah, yeah, eight yeah. pounds. Eight okay. pounds. Those are the interns. We'll be back in a moment. So they gave these guys basically an entire segment of that arena arena show, uh, but I thought they did a pretty good job. Well, obviously, Roger Smith, Don Bass just kind of hanging in the back there, but Roger Smith did a really good job of getting the team over, talking about the, the past history. They, they initially defeated the Fabs for the titles. We, we both know we've talked about it at length. The, the titles were held up, Southern Tag Team Tournament, and, of course, they win them back in the finals again, this time over the Rock and Rolls. I don't know. I just uh, I really enjoyed the promo there. Uh, Roger Smith being given time to get the team over and without Troy Graham, and I thought he did a good job. Absolutely, you know Roger Smith's a guy who is underrated uh, on the mic and usually doesn't really get a word in because you know you got Troy Graham there and you know he's never at a loss for words. And then here recently, you've had Jimmy Hart in the mix a lot of times too. But uh, yeah, Roger Smith could more than carry his weight on the mic. So yeah, that was cool. Yeah, I, uh, obviously I chopped off the match results in between there, but I thought I just thought it was really cool that they gave him an entire segment to get themselves over, and I thought he did a good job. As uh, we continue on, guys, January 26th, Saturday morning, Memphis, Tennessee, Channel 5 Studios. It's Lance Russell and Dave Brown hosting. As we kick off the show, Lancer promised us we're going to hear from Kern and Lane today, but first, a commercial break. And then back from break, as promised, it's Kern and Lane, Gene, but not the ones you're thinking of. Nope, it was a swerve, bro. Lance <laughs> Russell, he didn't say which Kern and Lane we were going to get as he heads over to the studio crowd to interview the fathers of the fabulous ones, Colonel Dick Kern of the U.S. Air Force and Wally Lane. So instead of Stan and Steve, it's Wally and Dick. Instead of Wally and the Beeve, it's Wally and the Dick. <laughs> that's a good point i didn't didn't even think about that but you know again and, and you hear this say this so often this is such a memphis thing like you would not have turned it on wwf and been like all right we got the british bulldogs dads out here you know just to have the heart foundation end up you know confronting them so uh well even as, if so it, it would have been in a much larger arena i mean they should have just had yeah. these guys come out from the back and have a word with them rather than having them sit here with this you know 20 20 fans in this studio audience here in at wmc but uh I, I just thought that was funny but a little context here for guys for anybody who doesn't know they don't know deeper history dick kern he was born near me in akron ohio and he worked in angle like 10 years prior to this in the florida territory with uh, obviously with his son Steve Kern feuding with Bob Roop, who had like no respect. The gimmick was he had no respect for war veterans or people in the military, which is kind of funny because Bob Roop was in the military. He was a paratrooper, a medic, so it was all just a gimmick. But he got so much heat down there. He told this story on his show that one day he was walking in during that feud, and a fan pulled a gun out right in his face because he, you know he had defamed uh, the United States Army, the Air Force, yeah. what have you. So. It's kind of crazy here, but he's back for another angle, and this time it's in Memphis. But um, Kern, uh, that is Steve Kern's father, he was the real deal. I wanted to Google him, but he was a real-life war hero. Colonel in the Air Force, fought in World War II, the Korean War, and Vietnam. 27 badges and medals of honor, including the Silver Star, the Bronze Star, Legion of Merit, Purple Heart, Prisoner of War Medal, the Flying Cross. The dude literally has his own wiki page, Gene. Like, he's literally got wow. his own page. But uh, 
the story that really got me was he was shot down twice, prisoner of war in two different wars. First in Germany back in 44 during World War II, but this is the big one. He was shot down during the Vietnam War, and he was a prisoner of war for seven and a half years, tortured for seven and a half years before he was rescued. Oh my gosh, that's that's crazy. I had no idea. I didn't know the lengths of it until I, yeah. I, I read it myself, but the stories are everywhere. It's not just his wiki page. Anybody can fill that in, but it's all over the internet. I mean, not, it has nothing to do with wrestling, just his yeah. story. Uh, I was I was really fascinated with it that he, man, nearly eight years in Vietnam and, and tortured and somehow still humble enough to pop up here in Memphis wrestling, put him in the studio for an angle. Yeah, he's sitting out in the crowd because <laughs> I guess I guess, you know, typically, you know, people tag teams, their dads hang out together. You know, why wouldn't he just be chilling with Stan Lane's dad out there in the studio crowd in Memphis? Sure. Why not? <laughs> one's in Florida, one's in the Carolinas. They're right next door. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so Lance Russell going to interview the Fab's fathers here, the original Kern and Lane, if you will. So I guess the, their grandfathers don't count. Uh, but their first time in Memphis, Tennessee, the father's selling Tennessee as the second home of their boys, and they hope they'll move back here soon. Joking, hopefully maybe Lance can twist their arms. I wrote, why do they care, Gene? They don't live here in Tennessee, the fathers, I mean. They can't even watch this. So Jerry Jarrett clearly pulling out all the stops here trying to get everybody to get the fans to support the Fabs coming home again after bearing about, about this time last year. Yeah, I was, thinking, I was thinking the same thing as soon as that <laughs> statement was made. I'm like, what do they care if they're in Tennessee? Like, what are they trying to get away from them? Like, yeah, I wish they'd move back here to Tennessee and get out of our hair, you know? Yeah, it, it just it confused me because they don't live in Tennessee, but boy, I sure wish they would move back here. That'd be great. We couldn't see them at all. <laughs> Exactly. Remember, Lance says this is their first time in the Memphis territory, so uh, it was kind of fun. We see him out there interviewing the fathers when out of nowhere enter Troy Graham and his interns. Troy telling Lance Russell to come over here and interview some real wrestlers, not some fat <laughs> slobs in the crowd. Gotta love Troy Graham. <laughs> I mean, that, that statement takes on a whole new meaning now, knowing uh you know colonel kern's history and everything right. I, knew, I knew his dad was you know military hero but i didn't right. know to what all he had been through so just to refer to his fat slops from the crowd what? oh you know <laughs> troy graham every I, week just I, I, really I, nails it i don't want to spoil anything because we're not going to hear it this week but troy graham going to get more personal and more outlandish with the comments he makes towards dick kern in the future weeks here and it's <laughs> it's good if, if you guys like like jokes anyway but uh, it, it's it's some really, it's like, wow, I can't believe he said that type of stuff. So, but I promise we'll have those sound bites in the weeks to come. But I just found it ironic, that, you know, that Detroit's out here telling uh, these guys that they're fat slobs when I look at the interns over here. Uh, but I'm sure that was done on purpose. Troy mentions that the fabulous ones, the daydreamers, dirty white boys, hey, bring them all on. As it's off to the ring for our opening matchup, going to see the Southern Champions interns right here taking on the daydreamers. Yes, the Daydreamers have, uh, you know, have been absent from TV recently. They've, you know, they've been in action on the cards we've gone over, but we hadn't seen them on TV in a bit. Here they are in the ring with the champs, non-title, of course, but nonetheless. That's how you book a new gimmick. You put masks on them and then you stop showing them on TV. So it, <laughs> total booking 101 there. But of course, this is non-title guys for the Southern Tag Team title. So maybe the Daydreamers... They maybe they have a chance. It's, uh, we're going to wait and see. The intern's going to jump the Dreamers as they enter the ring, and the match is on. They work over Dreamer number one as they now have matching white trunks, I know, to the Daydreamers. They're not in separate gear, so they're a little harder to tell apart. They got masks and matching trunks, so, hey, they're getting their act together. 
But I wrote, boy, Don Bass could really move for a guy his size. The larger of the two interns, for those who don't know, literally hitting the ropes and jumping over the body of the daydreamer and landing an elbow on the other side of his body. I just I, it marveled me as to well how well Don Bass could move. He didn't look like a whole lot. No, for guys that size really could have got away with, you know, working that big man style where they right. didn't bump much and didn't really leave their feet. But I mean, those guys don't always get enough credit for no, they how came to work. Well, they moved around the ring and bumped their butts off. I mean, they uh they were quite the workers, you know, as a tag team and uh Don Bass, he moved well for a guy. I mean, he, he wasn't bam bam bigelow or anything. <laughs> no. He certainly was impressive. He, when you seen those two guys standing out there, if you had turned on Memphis TV the first time, you know, you see them out there with Troy Graham, you're like, "Oh, look at these guys," you know. Then once the bell rings and they start moving around, you're like, whoa, I wasn't, that's not at all what I was expecting. No, when you look at him, obviously you're going to think kick, punch, maybe an eye gouge, rub, you know, rub his eyes across the top. The, the basic heel stuff, that's totally fundamentally sound. In, in, in a heel wrestler, especially in a tag team, a masked tag team like this, just some generic moves, if you will. But no, these guys, like you said, they came to bump and not just on TV, but everywhere. Every time we see them, they really put on a, a hell of a match. As uh, th this match continues, they get a big double backdrop on the Daydreamer number one, and then we get the hot tag out to Dreamer number two, leading quickly to a four-way melee. As the fans are honestly, well, they're pretty indifferent here, Gene. They really don't make a whole lot of noise at the hot tag. Even Johnny Wilhoit got a bigger pop than this last week, so it doesn't <laughs> say a whole lot for the Daydreamers right now. I mean, it very well could be because, you know, they pop up on TV with that, uh, odd angle with the nightmares that you know that brought on this daydreamer gimmick and then like you say they just kind of disappeared and now they just pop up here randomly i don't know why anybody would expect the fans to be overjoyed about any of this but you know you would think just for the heat you know that the interns have right. gathered with all their stuff with dirty white boys and the tournament shenanigans that you know anybody doing anything to them would raise some excitement but no you're right it was it was pretty indifferent and it's just like yeah we know how this is gonna go yeah, I, I wrote it, the the crowd noise was indifferent, which means either we have a shittier crowd this week, uh, but, you know, who knows. But also, they've done a terrible job of making the Dreamers mean something. You just mentioned that yourself. I, I don't really know what they can do with them at this point. I, it's kind of like an afterthought, unfortunately, sad to say, because they had a story going there. They take the masks, the nightmares. Obviously, the nightmares want revenge, and we got that right at the beginning of the month. But by this point, it's it's going, like you said, every week we see those matches on the house shows but it really doesn't play out here on TV at all. Well, and as we mentioned from the get-go, they brought them in the dumbest way possible. You know, they put their name up on the <laughs> card for Monday night, and then the nightmares kind of blow it in the promo. They're just like, yeah, they say these daydreamers are just Constance and Ashley under mask. And, I you know, still can't believe it. that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think from right there, you know, you, you let the air out of them before they ever showed right. their, I won't say face, showed their masks. Right. So uh, we do we do break things down here for all four guys in the ring and the Dreamers both going for the masks of the interns. Going to try to rip the masks off the heels. But referee Jerry Calhoun becomes distracted by two of the men while the other two men fight near the ropes. And with a Daydreamer's head sticking out of the ropes, Troy Graham takes a swing from his wheelchair with a steel chair to the crown of the Dreamer's head. And the interns going to steal the one, two, three. Match only goes one minute and 36 seconds. And... I really don't know where to start with this one. I feel like we just saw a similar finish last week first, but also 90 seconds. The Daydreamers, oh, like I said, just feel like afterthoughts. I mean, the Daydreamers were a lower mid-card team at best. 
you know, a week or two ago, we saw David Haskins and Johnny Wilhoyt go like nine minutes or whatever it was with, <laughs> yeah, that was, <laughs> with yeah. Gilbert, yeah. Gilbert and Sharp. And now the Daydreamers can't last a minute and a half of the interns. It's all over the place. So uh, we opened up the show. We heard from the Fabs Fathers. We heard a little bit from Troy Graham there. We got to see the interns in action. Obviously, they took the title, stole the titles from the fabulous ones at the end of last year. And now we cut away to a VTR promo from Stan Lane of the Fabulous Ones, who says the Fabs, they've been everywhere now. Vancouver, Winnipeg, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, everywhere. Yeah, that sounds like everywhere, Stan. Uh, They wanted to get away to prove to the fans, to Jackie Fargo, and to themselves that they can get it done anywhere. They're ranked number one in the country right now, per the wrestling magazines. And while it's been fun and it's been glamorous, nothing beats the feeling of coming home to Memphis. So Stan Lane looking for a cheap pop there. We're coming home to Memphis, Tennessee. He says they climbed and conquered the mountains. Now they're coming home versus the interns for the most coveted straps in the business, the Southern Tag Team Tuttles, which he says with a straight face. <laughs> yeah, there goes all your credibility, Stan Lane. Come on, man. <laughs> I wrote, man, did Stan Lane film a lot of promos at once? It feels like we're going to see weeks of these promos for various towns with Stan Lane in the same baseball cap, same sunglasses, sitting in the same position wherever the hell he is. He doesn't even attempt to, to move around or make it look different. Doesn't take the hat off. He just didn't give a shit. He's just sitting there cutting promos by himself. I don't know. what It was just like really Stan, because we're going to see this over and over again over the next several weeks. Yeah, I was, I mean, I had to look twice, like, is this the same promo? And yeah. Like, no, he's saying different <laughs> things, but like, you couldn't turn the hat backwards, take the glasses off take the hat off, put the hat on, put it sideways. Like, nope. Like you said, static position. All right, where's this one? And then he would just rattle it off and then, all right, where's the next one? (laughs) Well, obviously, uh, you know, they're trying to get their popularity back with the fans in Memphis, Tennessee, after, you know, being buried on the way out last year. He says they're coming home, referencing Memphis as their home. Yeah, it almost has a similar feeling to someone else who recently came home to a place that dumped on him when he left <laughs> if, if we want to talk about more recent times which we don't but i just i noticed that too when i watched this i was like oh that's where punk got it so anywho we uh realize the by this point the fabulous ones are indeed on their way back to the territory they're going to be back before you guys know it as we continue on we get a music video here for the fabs set to the boys are back in town that town being Memphis, in case you guys don't know by now. Also, Lance Russell, he's going to bring back over Papa Kern and Big Daddy Lane uh, to the announcer's desk to finish up their conversation that was so rudely interrupted earlier in the show. As Troy Graham immediately interrupts him once again to show some film for himself, he goes back in time to December 3rd at the Mid-South Coliseum, where the interns defeated the Fabulous Ones for the Southern titles. The Fabs then land a double DDT in the matchup on intern Roger Smith, but it's intern Don Bass loading his mask and laying out Kern as the interns did steal the tag team titles. But then from there, Troy Grant mocking Dick Kern here for being fairly overweight, to be fair. Uh, but even the overweight Colonel Kern quips that he could beat Troy Graham. As the funny spot happens next, where Dick Kern takes hold of Troy's wheelchair, turns it around, and gently pushes it off camera. I wrote fun <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah, because my first thought was like, Okay, well, 
tough guy. You just threaten to beat up a guy in a wheelchair. But like, no, he didn't beat him up. He just turned him around and sent him on his way. <laughs> yeah, for, for a guy who spent most of his life in the military, I feel like he got it. Like, he didn't take the wheelchair. He didn't look confused. He didn't give him a big shove. He just gently pushed it off screen to make it all the more funny. Yes. Like, like, like Troy Graham couldn't do anything about it. It was great. It was like a movie. I loved it. Yeah, that was it was fun. Like this this turned out to be better when this we first started going into this and I was like, Oh man, the interns <laughs> and the fabulous ones dads like oh, this can't be good. And it it was better than I had expected it to be. Yeah, actually, you know, well, I'll wait until we we finish this segment up. So Troy Graham is pushed off screen, which is just hilarious. But look out, uh Fab's dads, because it's the interns, the masked men attack. The elderly Fab father is here. Kern, the elder of the two and the larger of the two, takes a nasty bump across the studio floor and then eats a beatdown. Meanwhile, Stan Lane's daddy, not so much. He doesn't really want to bump, so I kind of see where Stan got that from now. It's <laughs> Pop, Papa Lane just kind of stands there, uh, bending over and getting hammered on. Then it's the baby faces out to make the save, the daydreamers. Woo, mercy, Jimmy Valiant, Johnny Wilhoit, Buck Rock and Roll, fuck off, and the dirty white boys, hot off their trip to TGI Fridays. <laughs> yes, I, I think I've seen uh, them polishing off a mozzarella stick as they come <laughs> through the curtain. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's I had the same thought. Like yeah, Stan Lane comes by. Honestly, it's apparently a family tradition. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love uh, it. <laughs> Takes this many baby faces to come out and make the uh, save the day. Remember, where, where's Jerry Lawler in this entire thing? By the way, I guess he's a little too busy to to make the save. We'll, we'll see the King later in the program, but yeah, it just, it was a hell of a lot of people to run off the interns here, but I guess they were just trying to get over the beat down the attack, but I got to tell you, man, Steve Kern's father did an awesome job. Like he hit the studio, went sliding, you know, like he took a real bump, man. And I don't know how old he was here. I didn't, you know, I didn't do the notes as far as that goes, but he wasn't no spring chicken and he wasn't like in, in tremendous shape either, right? To be taking a bump like that across the, the studio. But uh, yeah, Stan Lane's dad just kind of bent over no it it made you wonder if maybe he might not have legit hurt gotten hurt you know not intentionally but right. just the fact that he went down so hard but let me tell you if we were one of those uh podcasts that were strictly here to shill you best believe tomorrow morning there would be a fab dad's t-shirt for sale <laughs> <laughs> with a free phone call from ray if you bought it <laughs> oh well uh, we'll see we'll see what we That's can what i'm here for man i'm 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 the uh the genius behind the grunt idea. I'm going to keep pitching these things. We'll you see what the, sticks. You are the genius. See, hey. see what I did there? There you go. Nice. Uh, so we get like 10 wrestlers out here to make the save, but no fabulous ones because they're not here, Gene. The irony that their fathers attend a fucking TV show for the first time ever, and they're not even here. Yeah, so let's, from a kayfabe perspective in 1985, okay. watching this at home, I'm supposed to believe that the Fabulous One's dads, who Lance just told us, this is their first time in Memphis, <laughs> packed up, flew to Memphis, Tennessee, to sit in the TV5 studio to watch <laughs> the interns wrestle the freaking Daydreamers, Daydreamers in a minute and a half right. clinic, <laughs> tag team clinic, and uh, Buck Rock and Roll Zoom off in action. Like, I don't know, man. I, I'm kind of wondering that. Just don't really seem to fly, but I'll I'll buy it, I guess. Who are you to doubt the Fab Fathers? As uh, we continue on, Lance Russell going to run down the Mid South Coliseum card for tomorrow night, Sunday special Sunday, three p.m. start time show on January twenty seventh, and they kept those 
Special reduced prices, 4 5 and $6. Kids 10 and under, $1 for general admission and parking. Only a buck as well. Remember, last week was canceled, so the card changed up. Every match of the card changed besides the main event, or one of the main events, I should say. Uh, for, for instance, remember, it was uh, the Macho Man. He was going to take on Buddy Landell for the Central States title, and Adrian Street was going to challenge Terry Taylor for the international title. Well, they kind of condensed those matches now. It's just the Macho Man taking on Adrian Street. We've got the Nightmares continuing to wrestle the Daydreamers. Hair versus, well, on the screen it said $1,500, but Lance Russell, quick to point out, oh, that should read $500. Because, you know, in the kayfabe world, we got to correct something like that. I laughed out loud at that. I was like, <laughs> who gives a shit? Let them think it's 15 It raises the stakes, Lance. Like, what? <laughs> what if but, it, like, you know. The first time when I was skimming this, I wasn't listening, right? So I just thought it was 15. Mm. When I went back and heard that, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I could, <laughs> like, Lance Russell having to correct that. It's like, wow, man, seriously. It's going to be the Playboy Frazier's hair up against the Batten Twins $500. I wrote, apparently, Frazier, uh, he only beat one of the Battens last time, uh, according to Lance Russell here. So he gave up that $500 after all. So this is his chance simply to get it back. So the Battens aren't putting anything on the line, they're offering to put up the money that Frazier gave them which makes it even worse. <laughs> wow. Uh, $1,500 versus Frazier's hair. Well, let's hope he keeps them as beautiful locks intact. No, that's 500 Gene, not 15 <laughs> My bad, Lancer. Yeah, Lance, Lancer ain't going to lead you wrong. He's, nah, he's, he's going to be honest with you. That's right, yeah. Also on the card, handicap action, the Dirty White Boys taking on the Terminators and Jimmy Hart. So the Terminators are back in town, unfortunately. And then from there, Texas death match, the only match still happening from last week. Jerry the King Lawler defending his Southern title against Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert. And the other main event, going to see the fabulous ones back in town to take on the Southern Tag Team Champions, the interns. Were they already going to challenge the interns? Or is it just strictly based off the fact that they attacked the, the fabulous one's father? Well, Fathers, I should say. I would I think. Mean, was that match already signed? Well, I, I would think since the segment just happened two minutes ago, <laughs> I would hope that this match was already signed, but who knows? <laughs> Again, more more irony that the Fabulous One's fathers would just happen to be in the studio watching the Saturday before they get into town to have their big match with the interns. But yeah, it's just, this is, you know, lucky it worked out that way, I guess. Yeah, but I'm looking at the card here, and I just don't understand. So many Memphis talents still here from last week, but they just changed the entire card for the most part outside of uh, Lawler and Eddie Gilbert, which you kind of had to do. But uh, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens here. Uh, we go into a commercial break here, and you, you either texted me or Skyped me or tweeted me or, or Facebooked me, or you did something. You said, hey, man, I caught this commercial. I wanted you to share it with everybody here. Yeah, so I was uh, I watched this the first time several weeks back. And so I was like, man, let me watch this again right before we do the podcast as a kind of a refresher. Usually when the commercials are on, a lot of times I'll look at my phone or whatever. But this time I just happened to be watching the screen and this KFC commercial was on. And I was like, <laughs> man, that guy looks just like Keenan Ivory Wayans from In Living Color. <laughs> and then it cut to another scene and it cut back to him at the end. I'm like, dang, I think that's him. So I went and Googled it. And sure enough, it was him. <laughs> like, and I was a big fan of In Living Color back oh, in yeah. the day. Yeah, that's so, how, that's uh, how you started the conversation with me. I didn't know where you were going with it because you were just like, Hey, Ray, did you watch In Living Color back in the day? I was like, yeah, every week. You're like, yeah, I think I just saw Keenan Ivory Wayans on a KFC commercial back in 1985. I was like, wow, awesome. Yeah, because I've got some friends, like, if I would have just led with, hey, Keenan Ivory Wayans is one of these commercials, they'd have been like, 
who the hell is Keenan Ivory Way? And so if your response would have been like, what's in living color? I'd have been like, never mind, man. See you oh, next week. No, <laughs> no I, I used to watch that uh, religiously, uh, at least in the peak seasons before the Wayans got smart and sold it off just in time. Kind of like the, uh, yeah. the Fullers in Alabama or something. <laughs> they got the hell out of there. <laughs> Uh, show continues on here. It's Jimmy Hart in a very dapper-looking Playboy Fraser this week. I wrote, well, someone rented a tuxedo. Playboy looking extra sharp here. It is a tuxedo and hat. Man, where do you go to rent a tuxedo that size, though? I, I mean, because uh, I don't think they just have that one on the rack ready to <laughs> rock and roll. So, But they tracked him one down, and like you said, he was uh, he was definitely looking more like Playboy Fraser than at any point that this you know, in this big tuxedo. Yeah, no, he really uh, came balls to the wall this week with the gimmick as he says, all the ladies, all the broads are coming after the playboy. <laughs> I wrote, man, Stan <laughs> Fraser has got it. He gets it. Wasted talent in the WWF. I'm not talking about good wrestling. I'm just talking about character wise. Boy, did Vince drop the ball and we know he didn't watch other things, but I, Jimmy, Hart, I can't believe Jimmy Hart didn't take this tape and say, Vince, you got to watch this. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm doing your shtick. But he's, you know, Vince, you got to watch this. It's, it's Uncle Elmer, you know, the Uncle Elmer. This, look at this, and man, we could have got something totally different there out of Uncle Elmer before he left. I mean, you think they could have ran the gamut of all these funny gimmicks on that TNT show, and you could have had, you know, he could have came in under the guise of Uncle Elmer, and you know, he could have hit his head or something, whatever silliness, you know. He could have struck it rich, like the like Jed Clampett struck some oil, exactly. some arrow. Next thing you know, he's he's Playboy Frazier up there. You know, he could have been Kamala too if they needed him to. All that good oh, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because like you said, he it wasn't lost on him. He played into it. He he did it well. And oh man, in that era of WWF, such a missed opportunity. So anyway, uh, this started before we even began the '85 year, which is just crazy that the Playboy is still feuding with the Batten Twins on the undercard here. <laughs> He says, ain't nobody going to cut them locks off his hair. Halfball Playboy saying that, obviously, tongue-in-cheek, as Jimmy Hart shows off some brand-new nuggets, Gene. Ah, uh, he is shaking the nuggets off right now, Randy. Jimmy Hart showing off some brand-new rings that he will give Frazier if, and only if, he can beat the Batten Twins tomorrow at the Mid-South Coliseum, to which Playboy responds... He would kill someone for those rings. Ah, uh, he is shaking the nuggets off right now, Randy. He says he would kill Lance Russell for those rings. I couldn't believe I'd kill somebody for those rings. It was such a different time. Can you imagine? No, everything's literal now. You can't say things like that anymore. No, you couldn't even come close. That's so funny, though. I'd kill somebody. I'd kill Lance. Do you know how many phone calls they would have had? Before this oh, show ended, oh, he said he'd kill somebody. I do believe he meant it. He would be. He would have got brought downtown for questioning, <laughs> and it would have been a whole scene. Oh, but. could you imagine the mug shot of Playboy Fraser in this tuxedo? <laughs> that would have been tremendous. <laughs> but it was just—it was just hilarious. He said, I, "I'd kill somebody for those rings." He had to really he was selling that shit hard, man. <laughs> It is, you just wonder if he just said that of his own volition or if Jim Hart's like, tell him you'll kill somebody, baby. Tell him. Tell him. <laughs> Pretty good for someone who was just getting over being sick, Gene Jackson. Hey, man, I've, I've had something resembling the flu for almost a week, but I, oh. I pulled my one Jimmy Hart out for the week. So 
hope it was worth it. Well, hopefully we can save it up for next time because, well, I don't want to spoil anything. But, uh, yeah, we, we got some good stuff coming here for Jimmy before he, he uh, disappears to New York City. But uh, for now, business is about to pick up because after we hear from the Playboy, it's the Mid-American champion, Iron Mike Sharp. No, okay. Iron Mike Sharp <laughs> wa- wanders into the promo. Oh, okay. My turn. Okay. <laughs> You know, he's got to be very apprehensive this week about what he says what? about this what? upcoming match. <laughs> why Why does this guy get promo time? I don't know. It's, just, it's insane. <laughs> Mike Sharp, I know Jamie Ward loves him, and, and I've seen a few other people. I just posted, you know, I posted like 8,000 pictures on Facebook and uh, Twitter recently from all, all different time periods and whatever, and I swear to you, I feel like the one that got the most response was Mike Sharp versus Jimmy Powers, and I have no idea why, but so many people out there send in Mike Sharp love. They do. It's 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 really amazing, you know, how much love there is for Mike Sharp and, and the kind of interaction he gets when you post stuff like that. But uh but yeah, I'm just still baffled at the whole, you know, like now I know you got Jimmy Hart as your manager, but we want to hear from you out there now. Make sure you give, you put some time on the mic because Oh, bless his heart. I've, yeah, they, I've been they, like, they, look, man, you you got Jimmy. Just sit this one out. You're good. Just sit there and rub that, that forearm pad and, and put it over, and, and you're good. I never thought I'd see the day that Uncle Elmer could cut a better promo than someone, but <laughs> just not a fan of Mike Sharp on, on the mic anyway. I, I respected him in the ring. I, I don't know that I, I enjoyed every match he ever had, but it's just so funny. We get this type of promo here from, from Mike Sharp, you know, the way he talks. No, okay. And then when he gets in the ring, it's arr, 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 just a completely different person. But uh, here he is, and somehow still the Mid-American champion. He says, Jimmy Valiant just can't beat him. As Mike Sharp wants to know why Valiant is wearing a similar arm brace as of late. And then we get his next great line. He says, Jimmy, I am very upset about that. He has no right. I have permission to wear this. I have an injured arm. Why does he have that on? He has no business having that on. Jimmy, I'm very upset about that. Why does he have that on his arm? Uh, Once again, continuing to talk out his promos here. He's not cutting a promo at Jimmy Valiant. He's telling Jimmy Hart, you know, he's he's wearing an arm brace like me, and I am very upset about that. It's the most, aside from maybe Lanny Poffo, the most articulate, Memphis wrestling promos that that ever took place. Like I said, he he enunciates. He's Jimmy. I'm very upset about that. You know, yeah, like, that's a, that's a good way to put it. Articulate <laughs> for, for sure. Articulate Mike Sharp. Never thought that would go together, but here we are. As uh, we continue on, another member of Jimmy Hart's first family. It's Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert going to join in on the interview here, referring to himself as the King Buster and the next Southern Heavyweight Champion. Eddie, he did the This Is Your Life segment, but he forgot the final chapter, Gene. On January 27th, tomorrow, it's the end of The King. As Jimmy Hart points out, the car show is in town for absolutely no reason. He says they could have had Jimmy Valiant, but they wanted Jimmy Hart. He says 1985 is the year of the first family, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's so random. <laughs> so, Gotta get over the car uh, show. The car show in the middle of his wrestling promo. We, we just got through talking about a Texas death match. Right. And don't forget the car show, baby. And don't forget the car show, baby. Unbelievable. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. No, okay. I'll be, oh, it's a car show. Oh, you're not booked. Oh, okay. I'm not booked. I'm very I, upset I about that. I understand they'll be showing automobiles down there at the <laughs> car show convention. Is that true, Jimmy Hart? <laughs> I do believe they yeah, will all have yeah. four wheels, perhaps an engine. <laughs> Iron Mike Sharp tells Big us the obvious. Motor vehicles. <laughs> it's my motor. favorite mode of transportation, Jimmy. 
I, I, I pictured him as a jogger. No, oh, okay. Oh, man. Iron, Iron Mike Sharp. Yeah, so Jimmy Hart, though, talking about the putting over the car show, because he's going to be there, baby. They could have had Jimmy Valiant, but they wanted Jimmy Hart. As we go off to a missing children's piece. And yes, I looked this up, Gene. Siblings <laughs> taken by their non-custodial mother. So, you know me. I had to Google the names. Uh, best not to elaborate on what becomes of this brother and sister, by the way. Now, they do grow up, and they are found. They're, they're safe and sound. But maybe their upbringing, the issues and such... Uh, leads to some poor choices, and I'll just leave it there. Do you remember? I mean, I, I know you you uh, weren't a big fan of this era. I don't think anybody was, but um, remember when the WWF? You know, when they were really rock bottom there in the mid '90s, they started bringing kids into the ring to do ring announcing and things like that, flag bearers yeah. and whatnot. Okay, when I started that, when that started in 1993, and I was doing my '93 grenade, I said, you know what, I'm going to do. It's a nice little addition to the shows besides my Virgils of the week. I said, I'm I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to uh, look these people up and, and see what they're doing today. You know, the first person, dead. The second person, oh. like prison. Third person, dead. COVID, three weeks ago. I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. So this oh, is what wow. happens when you look up children's missing pieces. I, I should have known. So I, I I think I'll just refrain from doing that moving forward. So, so you're saying they'd have been better off missing if the <laughs> I don't know. The result? I don't mm. know. Oh my. I don't know. Uh, so we continue on, though. Back to the action. <laughs> Exotic Adrian Street with lovely Miss Linda out there taking on David Haskins. What is he, three weeks into the business now? As uh, Adrian Street rocking a Union Jack cape and matching glitter face paint. I wrote, imagine waking up early enough for TV to paint and glitter up your face to that degree. Well, I'll tell you what, Lance and Dave were certainly impressed with it because they put it over a, a number, <laughs> you know, numerous times throughout the match and that it matched and it matched his robe and all that. And it was impressive. I'll give you that. But it was just kind of funny to me, just with him being a heel, the fact that they brought it up two or three different times, almost as if maybe he prompted them to. Yeah. Do you know how long this took? Make sure you guys put this over. <laughs> Absolutely. We get going here. A little perfume spray down pre-match for Miss Linda on Adrian and a little skip to my Lou around the ring. But then it's right into some nasty hooking and twisting. And I think David Haskins wishes he could go back to skip to my Lou at that point. As Lance Russell says, that's some handsome moves in there by Adrian Street. <laughs> as uh, Haskins finally going to fire back with punches plenty, even landing a drop kick, But he's going to miss a second one. And Street right back on top with a nasty European uppercut. Some stiff shots. And then locks in a crucifix rolling back into a pin. Going to get the win. Two minutes and 28 seconds here for the Adora, or for the exotic one. Even as a kid, it wasn't lost on me uh, how it would go from he's he's getting sprayed down with perfume and, you know, he's skipping around and prancing. And then all of a sudden the bell rings. And like you said, it's just immediately into that. And I didn't know the difference between, you know, stiff and working light right. and any of that. But th you could tell there was something, just a vicious streak about Adrian and what he was doing was a lot rougher than what you had seen anybody else on the show do. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I just loved that sudden switch that was flipped for Adrian. And he'd get them down, he'd rub their face in the mat, and he'd tie them in knots. And then he'd get up and he'd skip around the ring again. He'd prance and go over there and taunt the crowd. And then prance around and lock up again and next thing you know he's got them tied in knots and you yeah. wanted him to be this sissy that was going to get just beat all over the ring and it didn't happen i mean he knew how to play that part when it was time you know he would he would be the chicken shit hill when he needed to be but just 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 the the, the, the character was perfect I, it really was completely agree can't argue that 
As we continue on, Lance Russell going to speak with Adrian Street, going to have Miss Linda by his side. A very winded Street here, really sucking wind for some reason after a two-and-a-half-minute match, but he wants the ex-colonials in the crowd to show proper respect for the country that saved them from the French. As Street wants to talk about the macho man, the epitome of American manhood. Why Street has more manhood in his little finger than the macho man does in his entire body. As Adrian Street talks, Randy Savage's Butch Weeder type body. I, I had to laugh there, Weeder. Uh, Joe <laughs> Weeder, obviously the precursor to the WBF, which really took off there, Vince's competition. But I just love he called Savage Butch. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so while Randy Savage looks more like Joe Weeder, Adrian Street says he trains with Richard Simmons himself. I wrote, what does that include? Some sweating of the oldies and a dealer meal plan? <laughs> yeah, I think that plate was done to play into the whole obviously gimmick there. Is, <laughs> yeah. it, but that's fun that he even knew the reference, really. But uh, yeah, the Macho Man and the way he dressed to be referred to as Butch is is fun. And, <laughs> you know, I always heard people talk about old school heat and promos, but I don't know that they were necessarily talking about ex colonials and <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome, like yeah. respect for the country that saved them from the French. That's that's a little too old school. <laughs> That is old, old schools with that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I, I train with Richard Simmons. I can't wait till we get to grunt the wrestling movie. Adrian Street is just an awesome character. Uh, we're going we're gonna to go on for right now, though. Tag team action. going to see Hot Stuff, Eddie Gilbert, and Iron Mike Sharp. No, okay. Oh, okay. It's a tag team match. It's Mike Sharp and Eddie Gilbert. Jimmy Hart in their corner taking on the team of Ken Raper and Johnny Wilhoit. I love Eddie's neon greet jacket for this matchup. Is Jimmy, Jimmy Hart going to join for commentary? Eddie Gilbert wisely avoiding a dropkick attempt by Will Hoyt early on by exiting to the ring apron. Then Eddie unwisely turning his back to Johnny on that ring apron, and Will Hoyt dropkicks hot stuff right off the apron and down to the studio floor. I loved how Eddie would get these spots and give them to these guys that, you know, obviously underneath him, but he didn't mind doing that. And, you know, obviously got himself over, get a, get a pop from the fans in the, at the same time. He was. He was very good about that throughout his career. And uh, one thing you can say for Johnny Wilhoit, he was the the Jim Brunzel or Brad Armstrong <laughs> of the Memphis area on drop kicks. My he goodness, had that drop I've been kick paying down. attention to that, man. He's get, he nails those drop kicks, and they're usually right up on top of their head. If he had one move, it was the drop kick for sure here. As uh, Ken Raper going to tag in, and he's supposed to run the ropes here and catch a knee in the back from Mike Sharp, who is all sorts of uncoordinated and late to the party. Mike completely misses Ken Raper. No, okay. Oh, okay. I was supposed to knee you. So Raper sells it anyway and takes a bump down to the mat. I wrote, ugh. Oh, bless his heart. I mean, you can tell that Mike's just not really used to being in this position where he's getting this much offense in. And it gets obvious oh. week after week with these squash matches. And, you know, I don't, I've got all the respect in the world for Iron Mike Sharp. And I know, like you said, some of our our uh, friends and co-hosts have a great love for him, but I have been quoted as, as saying in the past that I always felt that if you've seen one Iron Mike Sharp match, you've seen every Iron Mike Sharp match, but that little spot right there was something special. They kind of caught me off guard. I was like, Ooh, even by Mike Sharp standards, that was tough. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if he grunted a little louder, everybody would have bought it, but it's just, yeah, they're like, just, well, the grunt scared him and knocked him down. <laughs> Well, it didn't work out that way. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're, we're live, pal. And Ken Raper takes the bump anyway. Is uh, Eddie Gilbert and Mike Sharp then take turns working over Raper on the mat. Big high backdrop on Kenny by Eddie Gilbert. And then Eddie 
cleans the mat, says Lance Russell with Raper's face, dragging his face across the mat. Lance Russell, he's cleaning the mat with his face. And then Dave Brown busts out a Mike Sharp is dancing on Raper's head as he stomps away. Dan, Dave Brown now coming up with a great line there. He's, he's dancing on his head. I loved it. I didn't expect that out of Dave Brown. Dave will surprise you every now and again. Yeah, every he'll, now and again. he'll drop one in. As uh, Jimmy Hart says, King Edward back in the ring with a double stomp as the heels just destroy Ken Raper in their corner forever. I wrote, come on, Jerry Calhoun, get him out of there. This is going on far too long. Finally, Mike Sharp going to put us out of our misery, finally loading that forearm brace and blasting Ken Raper with a clothesline. The heel's going to get the win five minutes and 21 seconds. They put Will Hoyt in a lot of these squash matches, but they did good to protect him, and they usually always took the pin on the partner and let him get his drop kick in. But, yeah, they usually took most of the heat on the on the partners. So well, you want, to, you want to talk about protecting Will Hoyt. Post-match, Johnny Will Hoyt comes into the ring to check on his partner, Ken Raper, but the heels then corner Will Hoyt, and he appears to be in big trouble when, who must say, it's the Boogie Woogie Man, Jimmy Valiant out here. Jimbo hits the ring, followed by the King for a little backup, but it's Jimmy Valiant running in and knocking Mike Sharp out with Valiant's own forearm brace. So Sharp laid out outside on the studio floor, getting a little taste of his own medicine. You don't mess with Johnny Willie Hoyt, baby. That's our boy. That's our boy. <laughs> Apparently so. Is Lance Russell going to have a word with Handsome Jimmy? He says he's a heat-seeking missile going off tomorrow in the Mid-South Coliseum. Going to explode all over Mike Sharp. I don't know if I really cared for that line. Anyway, <laughs> so you can tell Jerry Lawler is booking. A lot of showering after that one. <laughs> a lot of showering. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, a bath? <laughs> oh, it's not a shower. It's a bath. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you can tell Jerry Lawler's booking because he is not going anywhere near Mike Sharp here uh, in matches or in these storylines, just kind of standing there. Uh, but sabotaging poor Jimmy Valiant, it would seem. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy's <laughs> taking the bullet on that one. But then again, not everybody was thrilled to work with Jimmy Valiant. So I guess maybe Lawler was like, all right, we'll pair them up and nobody has to deal with them. Yeah, I know the old story. Tully pissed off Dusty and <laughs> the first thing Dusty did was book, <laughs> book Tully in a feud with Jimmy Valiant. <laughs> Yep. I'll show you, baby. (laughs) So uh, speaking of the king and his booking and and whatnot, here's Jerry Lawler out next for a promo. He talks the upcoming Gold World Cup Tag Team Tournament of Japan. Not real, guys. Him and Jimmy Valiant (laughs) heading to All Japan, which is true, as Lawler jokes that Jimmy can have the trophy as long as the king can have the $100,000 at stake. And then from there, we get the same old pack of lunch. I can throw fire promo for the upcoming Texas death match. Same promo we got last week, which really surprised me. It's such a huge matchup. We've had this feud going on with Eddie Gilbert and Lawler just kind of phones it in here. Yeah. I mean, he's so known for his promos and changing things up and, you know, you can watch a hundred of those uh, local promos and they're usually always different, but yeah, he just pulled out that stock line from last week. And, uh, but I did get tickled at the, gold world cup tag tournament <laughs> like, boy we stayed up late coming up with that name jeez uh, they'll talk about that a little bit more here on the lawler show can't wait till we get there but i just wrote kind of lackluster but there was just no emotion behind it either lawler's just out there kind of and you could blame a lot of the other wrestlers well they're probably you know the jokes i like to tell on george all the time as well they're probably hung over well, i don't know if that's much of a joke but you know that maybe they're still drunk you know whatever maybe they're still up from yeah. yesterday but jerry lawler was like straight edge so that wasn't even the case here Unless he just had too much Coca-Cola and he was just, I, I don't really know what the story is here, but the King just seems Cute like girl in the crowd or something. Mate. Well, uh, woman, let's, lady. let's, let's oh, call her a woman. Me, lady. Let's call her of a, age. Yes. Oh yeah. There you go. Thank you. 
As uh, we continue on here, Jerry Lawler Cut talking a little out. bit. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Perhaps. We'll see. As uh, we, we continue on here, six-man tag team action. If I, leave, if I, if I don't leave that in, people are going to wonder why we're laughing. Uh, we, got, <laughs> we got the... Oh, I'm good with it. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Dirty White Boys and Rock and Roll Buck Zoomhoff taking on the trio. Oh, listen to this one. Kevin Kelly, the future Nails. Danny Hager and Big Lou Winston here. And the future Nails with impressive size really sticks out in these six-man tag team here. Uh, but super green still as the heels, however, get shitty zoom off in their corner briefly. Kevin Kelly, all sorts of not cooperating. I don't know if you, you noticed this because I watched this twice. And the first time, I, I guess I really wasn't paying attention. But the second time, I was like, what is he doing? He keeps trying to double like the dirty white boys, take them down, but they block it. And then in turn, Kelly refusing to let the dirty white boys get in a body slam. Every time they try to lift him, he's literally like kind of sitting out on them. So the white boys finally going to try to take him down. Kelly forced to tag to Hager. He actually, they actually work him over to his corner and make him tag out. Of course, Hager far more cooperative here as is Lou Winston and the dirty white boys on the offense on Winston. When the show cuts out the dreaded blue screen, Oh doom. And we're into a commercial break. Next thing we see here. So we get about three minutes, but the finish is missing. You got to imagine the baby faces went over here, but I wrote, I don't know what the fuck Kelly was doing in there. I don't know what he thought he was going to accomplish, but I'm very curious to see how much longer he sticks around after this. Yeah, I uh, I jokingly dubbed that team the Memphis Freebirds when I first saw <laughs> Kelly Hager and Lee Winston there in the corner. But uh, yeah, Kevin Kelly uh, never was a, a great one, but boy, he was really not great here in Memphis at this stage. But yeah, that was a cluster. I'm, I'm I almost felt like I, if he had not managed to tag out, I would have thought I willed that blue screen to happen with my mind because I was like, <laughs> do something to get him out of here. What the fuck are we doing? And then luckily Lee Winston came in, but then it went off. Well, obviously the baby faces were in there to get over and Kevin Kelly had other ideas. He didn't want to sell for them. And then he you know, tried to do it. They weren't going to sell for him. And then, you know, it was just kind of a stalemate till they forced him to the corner. They knew they were live on TV. We had to do something. So obviously the veterans on the other side, they get him over to his corner and Hager comes in and we kind of have a, a match that resembles a, a regular wrestling match at that point, but we don't get a whole lot of it. Uh, obviously, I'm sure the babies went over there, just really odd. And I'm really curious to see how much longer Nails sticks around here as uh, we continue on. Well, boy, this guy makes Nails look like Ricky Steamboat. These two. It's Jimmy Hart with his Terminators. Uh, the Terminators are back here in the Memphis Territory. Well, we should have known, being Terminators and all, that they'd be back. As Jimmy Hart says, <laughs> from now on, wherever he goes, they go. Well, except Ugh. the WWF. Uh, yeah. Jimmy says he's done with all other tag teams. Well, except the Hart Foundation and the Rougeau Brothers, Rhythm and Blues, Nasty Boys, Natural Disasters, Money Incorporated, Mega Maniacs. I guess you can include Earthquake and Dino Bravo. And that's just the WWF, but he's done with all other teams besides the Terminators. Well, I mean, I would probably swear off tag teams, too, if I ended up managing the Terminators. Uh, <laughs> swear off I mean, all these tag guys look them. like they would have just been your run-of-the-mill jobber tag team. Yeah. They should have just been getting plowed through. You could make a bigger case for using Lou Winston and Hager in this position and letting the Terminators do the jobs. I, I don't get it. I, I do not. I do not get it. But. Yeah, you know, I was wondering the same thing because I have not watched this era in so long that I really just, you know, maybe I had a different opinion on what they looked like or whatever until I saw this. And I'm, I'm, 
I'm right there with you. I don't see anything special that makes me want to have to push these guys, give them the name Terminators for one, and then push these guys to the moon, like to the top of the tag team division. Obviously, they were here at the end of last year, and they're back now. Uh, This is the original Terminators, by the way, guys. This is Riggs and Crow. I think Crow goes to prison. Imagine that. And then and Wolf will come in and replace him later on. Not that I don't know that there's a whole whole big of a difference, but now we have to watch them wrestle. Well, if he went to prison for being a great wrestler, they, <laughs> they, they convicted a, an innocent man. They sure did. There shouldn't have been any proof of any footage I've ever seen to prove it. Because good. Well, certainly not this footage. As we head to the ring for an expiration of time matchup, it's the Terminators with Jimmy Hart taking on Mark and Brad Batten as the Naders, as I refer to them here. They attack the Battens. The Battens can't even get their jackets off. Is Jimmy Hart going to join commentary briefly? One of the Terminators whips an opponent into the other's clothesline. As I thought I heard Jimmy Hart initially refer to it as a Tommy Kanger. I said, what the fuck is a Tommy Kanger? We'll, we'll continue on with this as the match goes on. Jimmy Hart going to cover for his team sucking on offense here. He says, they don't do wrestling moves because they don't need to learn wrestling moves, baby. (laughs) I mean, that is the bare minimum. I don't know how else to cover this. I'm going to kind of shoot on the square here. I mean, short of saying, that's because they don't know how to wrestle, baby. (laughs) (laughs) This is the most offense they've ever got to do. Fuck this shit. I'm I'm off to New York. These guys fucking suck. That would have been awesome if you gave me some of that shit. (laughs) You guys can't fire me. (laughs) Anywhere I go, they're going with me, baby. Vince is like, no. (laughs) Uh Uh-uh, pal. They're not even jobbing up here, pal. No, they can't even. Yeah, they wouldn't even make the job squad up there. So, uh, anywho, re- now remember, we go back to their new move they invented here. <laughs> I say invented. the the. It's actually the atomic hanger. We'll get a little bit more into that later in the matchup. But So their finisher is uh, whipping a job guy into the other Terminator's clothesline. That's And it's not like a Stan Hansen clothesline. It's just a clothesline. At best, if you want to call it's it a whole. It's a he held his arm out, and that guy ran into it. You know, if that if that qualifies as a clothesline, then then yes, that's that's as far as it goes. But yeah, atomic hanger. As the match continues on, about fifty percent of the offense is clotheslines. So I'm really confused here. Lots of punching, lots of clotheslines, and then they try a second. What I keep hearing Jimmy Hart call a Tommy Kanger at this point, but one of the Battens duck and the other Terminator clotheslines his own partner. So I guess he did his own finisher on his own partner. And we get the hot tag out to the other Batten twin, breaking down into a four-way melee. Stereo drop kicks by the Battens, but the Terminators, they bounce back with stereo, you guessed it, clotheslines. What else? And the match goes three minutes and five seconds as Lance Russell corrects Jimmy, or at least I can understand Lance better than Jimmy here. He calls it a double atomic hanger. I said, oh, is that what Jimmy's been saying all match? Lance says it's actually just a couple of clotheslines. I love the fact that he fucking buried these guys. Complete shit. I wrote terrible. Can't wait for them to be hasta la vista, baby. And his voice implied that the missing word from that sentence was just a couple of shitty clotheslines because that's how that's <laughs> yeah. the way he said it. Like, if he could get away with it on TV, there's just a couple of shitty clotheslines in there. <laughs> it was great. Good work, Davey. Yeah, I encourage everybody to, to go watch that. It's hilarious because they're doing clotheslines the entire match, but the ones at the end, those were the real ones, right? And as they hit them, it's a double atomic hanger. And then Lance Russell's just like, just a couple of clotheslines. I was like, wow, way to bury him, Lance. Even, even Lance was disgusted with this. 
I have to imagine Lance came through the curtain at the next break and was like, where the fuck did you find these guys, Lawler? What are we doing? Like, come on. And I, I assume the Battens, when they sat down to call this match, was like, all right, well, what can you guys do? Well, we can punch. And he looks at the other guy, and he's like, well, I could do a clothesline. And we just filled in every spot in the match with either a punch or a clothesline. I mean, it's like they watched the Jim Helwick greatest hits of 1985. You ever walk into... Made the damn Blade Runners look like superstars. I was going to... Did you ever walk into an indie locker room and you get those, you know, those uh, green, maybe half-trained guys that... You're like, oh, and what, what, what's your move? And then they actually give you some nonsensical name rather than telling you, oh, well, what is that? Oh, it's a power oh, bomb. God, yes. Okay. Well, could you imagine here the Batten's like, all right, what do you guys do? We do the atomic hanger. Okay. What's, <laughs> what's that? Clothesline. I, I, I could picture that uh, conversation right now. <laughs> like, you've, you've done 19 clotheslines in the rest of the match. Yeah, but this is atomic. <laughs> this is the atomic hanger, bitch. All Just right, a clothesline. Or the double atomic hanger, as they call it. They use just really, Jimmy calls it an atomic uh, hanger. Really just a, a, a couple of clotheslines close lines yeah, out there. We close out the program here. There's only one fall, thank God, expiration of time. Uh, sometimes we get two or three falls. Thank God it was only one here. More clotheslines I, I, I could do without. As we get a Jerry Lawler promo to close this show, and I have to wonder, maybe Jerry ad-libbed. He's like, we, get, we ain't putting that on again. As we get an update here on uh, the fathers of Stan Lane and Steve Kern, he says Wally Lane is okay, but Dick Kern's hip, he's hurting him from the bump that he took across the studio floor, and I don't doubt that. Now, reportedly, the King says they're on their way to the airport. So I wrote, wait, they flew in to watch an episode of Studio (laughs) Wrestling that their sons aren't even on, and then they just leave? They can't even stick around for the fucking Coliseum tomorrow? And they missed the Terminator match? Like, <laughs> damn it. I'm sure that's who they came to see, you know. Like, we were just here to see the Terminators, and then we ended up having to go to the hospital. Or no, they didn't go to the hospital. They went straight to the airport. I'm sorry. But nothing about that whole scenario made. Yeah. If anybody took two seconds to think about it, they're like, wait, why were they here? Well, and then we get it, Gene, for the second time in the same episode. Jerry Lawler says that if that had been my father, I'd have killed them. He would have killed the interns. Man, two times on the same show, two murder threats made. I I couldn't believe it here. Again, that's one of those things. I mean, I get it from Frazier. He's a simpleton from, you know, Philadelphia, Mississippi, you know, for real. But, like, for Lawler, as I was watching this, I thought, okay, Lawler. So even if the Fabs come in Monday night and win the Southern Tag Team titles, and everyone's mind who just heard you say that are like, yeah, but there's still a couple of pussies because they didn't kill them. You know, Lawler <laughs> would have killed them. You know? <laughs> Uh, that's very interesting. Uh, some of the choice words that, that were made this week on, on Championship Wrestling, guys. As uh, we continue on January 26th, they were off to Jonesboro, Arkansas. Now, we don't have results, but I'd like to keep everybody in the loop to see where everybody was at. As we head off to Sunday morning and the Jerry Lawler Show, January the 27th. And uh, in studio guest, oh man, it's Handsome Jimmy Valiant. And I have, I have a couple of sound bites here. We'll get to those in just a minute. But I just wanted to talk about this because he brings Jimmy onto the show. Because tomorrow morning, Monday morning, Lawler and Valiant are leaving for Japan in what Lawler calls the Gold World Cup Tournament. And I wrote, it's a little late for that. The real world tournament took place at the end of last year, King. So there's no tournament to be had. But he says they won some kind of big tournament here in the Mid-South region in order to represent the uh, the territory. However, they don't have any footage. I said, wouldn't you know it? Because it doesn't exist, guys, for anybody looking for it. 
but instead it's uh we get a Lawler and Jimmy Valiant music video set to the Stray Cats Rock This Town. Now in reality, they're only in Japan for like a week. They win like two of seven matches, losing to the likes of Masa Saido, Killer Khan, Great Kabuki, Animal Hamaguchi. But I- I'm sure when they get back, they'll tell a different story. Of course, man, of course. So I can only assume that the reason we had a special day, like instead of the Monday night card, we had a Sunday card was because Lawler and Valiant were leaving out for Japan Monday. I'm just speculating, but that seems reasonable. It, it is uh, reasonable, but, and I, I didn't come to that conclusion, but only because this is like the third time this month that they've ran a Mid-South show on a Sunday. And yeah, I'm, not, I'm really not sure why. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, but I'm not sure why that's going on at this point in time. But I also found it funny, and you kind of brought this up earlier, right after the Lawler promo, but it's like Lance and, and Lawler both spend the bulk of that promo talking about, you know, they won the Gold World Cup opportunity in this, like you say, this mystery tournament, and they're flying out to go to Japan, blah, blah, blah. And then, oh, yeah, and tomorrow I'm going to wrestle Eddie Gilbert in Texas Deathmatch and uh and it was like it was kind of an afterthought. Like, okay, that's yeah. the one you're trying to sell tickets to. That's the one you stand to make money on. Nobody in Memphis is flying to Japan. Who gives a shit? Like, push your match tomorrow. Oh. But it was that was an afterthought. After we're going to Japan, it's a big freaking deal. We won a tournament. Oh yeah, and Eddie Gilbert, we're gonna have that match we didn't have last week. And uh, blah blah, whatever I said last time, double that this time. Yeah, you know that's a that's an excellent point because nobody in Memphis is going to Japan, and nobody in Japan is seeing this promo here. So it didn't make a whole lot of sense. But as you were breaking that down, I started thinking, well, but you, you look big time, right? When you're going to Japan for a gold World Cup tournament. So let's put something over that's not even true just to get yourself over more so than this matchup with Eddie Gilbert. And it's unfortunate, too, because it was really it really started off hot, really fun there with the this is your life segment. And I'm sure the barbed wire match was good and and all this other stuff in between. But we'll see what happens when we get there. First, we got to get through the Lawler show. And uh, I'm going to queue up right now the first of a couple sound bites here with Jimmy Valiant. Uh, Jimmy Valiant about to talk about his ability to speak multiple languages, Gene, and his trip to <laughs> San Francisco. We'll be back on the other side. Ah, there we are, and here we are. Handsome Jimmy Valiant. How did we look? Woo! Let's see. Domo Abogato, Mizu, Banjo, and Sukiyaki. You didn't know I could talk uh, Japanese, did you? No, I didn't know that. Oh, we're going to be in good shape. We're all right, huh? Hey, you know, I could talk Mexican, too. You didn't know that? No, let me hear Yeah, listen to this little Mexican talk. Um, Taco, tamale, and enchilada. That's all right. And I talk five different languages in Greek. The only language I can't talk is Greek. (laughs) Greek, I can't speak Greek. So you're going to be able to get us by the language barrier in Japan. Oh, hey, and I know a little by and then uh, in Sapporo, you know, with the little uh, Gicha girls, you know. Gicha oh, hey, yeah. hey, we're going to go to them hot baths, you know. Yeah, community baths, you know. You know, they got the broads there with us, you know, and uh, the guys there. Hey, <laughs> Wait a minute now. Yeah, where do we start out now? We go straight to Frisco or we go to Alaska? I don't know. We, get, we, we have the tickets right here. The yeah. tickets have come in. Give me the ticket. Let me see your passport picture. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> come on. Let me, huh? let me see. My age ain't on here, is it? Huh? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm 29, that's right, yeah. Oh, wee, what a picture. Good, wanna, yeah, that's great. Okay, we got the passports already. Yeah. We're going to leave uh, Monday morning. Yeah, where are we going now? You, you didn't tell me because uh, yeah, you got to tell it's, me. It's on here. We go Monday morning. We leave Monday, Monday morning, 7.29. Can you get up to at 7.29? No, we don't get to no, go I ain't going to bed uh, Saturday night. Was that Saturday night? No, we're going to leave Saturday? Monday morning. Monday, yeah, I ain't going to bed <laughs> Saturday night or Sunday night. Yeah. You know, you know, uh, oh, hey, it says right here, 
It said we go to Frisco first. Yeah, San Francisco. Straight to Frisco. Right, yeah. You know, I was in Frisco three weeks ago, Kingfish. You were? And, uh, yeah. You know, we're Frisco, you know, that's a little funny city. Frisco is where the men are uh, uh, women and the women are women, you know. And uh, <laughs> I was in uh, this little uh, place, you know, a little gay bar. No, it was a, I guess <laughs> it was a, a gay bar. No, it wasn't gay. What it was was a, a female impersonating bar, see. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's gay bar or what, but, you know, regular people go. You know, I'm regular people. So I go in there and, hey. Fish, I, I meant to tell you this earlier, you know, a guy, I guess it's a guy or girl, anyway, some dancer was up there dancing, and it looked just like Jimmy the Snake Hot. Now, you don't think, hey, he's not a little funny. I don't know. No, you I don't know. Wait a minute. He had a mustache let's, and everything. She let's did. change the subject. Oh, I don't know where I lost control of this, oh. but uh, we're supposed to be talking about our trip Let's to go. Japan. Wow. So much to touch on there in that two-minute soundbite from Jimmy Valiant. All sorts of things are going to get you thrown off the air today. That's for sure. He could speak Japanese, banjo, sukiyaki. He could talk Mexican, too. Not Spanish, but rather Mexican. Uh, talking about going over to Japan with the hot bass, with the broads, uh, the geisha girls. Uh, he says uh, <laughs> he ain't going to bed Saturday night, which is kind of funny because Saturday night is already passed at this point. Jimmy Valiant, not even right. sure what, what day of the week it was. And then, of course, that entire conversation about San Francisco, where the women are women and the men are women. It is <laughs> stroll to the gay bar. Oh, my God. Jimmy Valiant. Oh, bless his heart. Jimmy couldn't get away with, I mean, there might have been two lines out of that entire two-minute promo you played that he could say today and get away with. <laughs> Uh, Jerry stuff. Lawler, man, he saw where this was going and he tried to get it. He's like, well, they, were, they went off the track somewhere. Jerry Lawler steers it back on after that to the best of his ability anyway. It doesn't get a whole lot better. Well, it, it doesn't get any worse than that. That's for sure as they continue on. And they go into Jimmy Valiant's match here later at the Coliseum. Jimmy Valiant going to take on Iron Mike Sharp. No, okay. And right now we're going to hear what, what handsome Jimbo has to say about his opponent, the sharp-dressed man. You know, the big match right down at the Coliseum at uh, 3 o'clock today, you know? Yes, sir, baby. You got the uh, Mike Sharp, Iron Mike Sharp. Have you still got your... Uh, Do I? You Do I, brother? Hey, this is a shop-dressed man, you know, understand, you know? And I want to tell you something, Kingfish, to all my brothers and sisters, all my street people, the boogeyman has some Jimmy. We're going to take care of shop dress. I mean, today, Daddy, just hours away. I am keyed in. My gift for it, baby. You know, the man is, is a filthy, filthy man. I know he doesn't yeah, shower yet. He's got a little B.O. You don't understand that. <laughs> I hate to do this, Jack, but I'm going to do it one time, and it's going to be all for Mr. Shop. I was away. I'm get up for you, Shop, man, and it's going to be all over right there at Coliseum, 3 o'clock time, Jack. It's me and you. Valiant continuing to rib Iron, Iron Mike Sharp here, calling him Mr. Dirty. Uh, everybody who knows anything about Mike Sharp knows that he is anything but that. That's so funny. I guess that's such an inside baseball thing to do that only the other workers and people that know him would know what that's referencing. And you know it's probably pissing Sharp off, you know. The... <laughs> don't, don't, tell, don't tell don't people tell that I... Uh, I don't smell. That, I, <laughs> that I'm not fragrant. Uh, I have a very pleasant scent, Jimmy. <laughs> Tell them, Jimmy. <laughs> oh, man. Iron Mike Sharp, Jimmy Valiant coming up here in just a little bit. But uh, they're not done talking yet. And I don't have any more sound bites, sadly, of Jimmy Valiant here. But uh, the conversation continues. As Jerry Lawler begins to mention some of the cities they're going to see in Japan, Jimmy Valiant replies, hey, what city did we bomb? Then he references, oh, <laughs> then he references nuking Russia while he's in Japan. I wrote, Holy shit. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 
I'm sure Lawler's like, oh my god, we're never having you on here again. This is a nightmare. Yeah, Jerry, Jerry Law's like, oh, we're going to Sapporo and Tokyo. Hey, what, what city did we bomb? Oh my god. <laughs> hey, while we're there, maybe I'll nuke Russia. I'm like, what the hell are you doing, man? Jesus Christ. Even in 1985, as uh, <laughs> Lawler re- reiterates that it's 7.30 a.m. tomorrow morning. The flight begins to San Francisco. Jimmy says he'll be up because he won't sleep Saturday or Sunday. We heard a little bit of that already. Of course, Saturday was uh, last night, so woo, mercy, whatever Jimmy Valiant was doing here. Valiant receives, just like the Dirty White Boys, dinner for two at Overton Square. TGI Fridays. Uh, maybe you'll see the Dirty White Boys there. Who knows? I said, that's not fair, though. The Dirty White Boys had to split the gift cards. Jimmy Valiant gets two yeah. for himself. Not cool. And, of course, he gets a year-long uh, trip to, well, Peabody's Health Club. Gets to work out there. Boogie woogie. Maybe he'll be there with the Mr. Dirty getting dirty. You know what I'm talking about, baby. Well, you know that's why those tag teams always end up turning on each other because of things like that. You know, <laughs> yeah, they get absolutely. tired of splitting the gift cards. I'm sick of splitting the TGI Friday's gift cards. <laughs> I can't afford a beer and a mozzarella stick on this gift card. And that's how you end up with your head through the barbershop window. So yeah, there you go. That's that. That explains a whole lot that was never elaborated <laughs> on TV, uh, because Marty Janetti got that boot there right after that because you know <laughs> he was Marty Marty. As uh, we continue on, we go off to viewer mail. As a a kid by the name of Randy Simpson writes into Queen Lawler, let's Whoa. see how the mature grown king responds to this youngster. And it's time for our viewer mail segment. And our letter this week comes from a kid by the name of Randy Simpson here in Memphis, Tennessee. And it says, Dear Queen Lawler, (laughs) my favorite tag team is the Road Warriors, and I want to know when they're coming back to Memphis and if you are afraid to wrestle them or not. Randy, you ignorant little wimp. Let me just say this about that. Uh, no, I'm not afraid to uh, wrestle the Road Warriors, and I have an open contract. Would be glad to face them at any time. Wow. Randy, you ignorant little wimp. This is how he's talking to a child. This is a baby face. You know, could you imagine? Well, let me tell you something, brothers. Randy Simpson, you ignorant little wimp, dude. Let me tell you something, you little douchebag. Hulkster's <laughs> going to come down there. I'm surprised Lawler didn't say, I'll come steal your girlfriend right now, you little punk. Oh, oh. Oh, my bad. Oh, mercy. Catching up with Jimmy. <laughs> Speaking of Jimmy Valley, getting people thrown off the air. So uh, Randy's favorite team is the Road Warriors. Wants to know when they'll be back in the Memphis Territory and if Lawler has the guts to take them on. Lawler uh, mentions this was a kid, remember, as he calls him an ignorant little wimp. Uh, We go off now. Lawler just happens to have a promo queued up with Paul Ellering and the Road Warriors. Imagine that. And they sent some cameras out to talk to Ellering and the Road Warriors, and I think that they, uh, well, they claim to be excited about facing me. Well, let's listen right now to see what the Road Warriors have to say about this challenge. Jerry, (laughs) and I see you're still sitting in your easy chair, taking it easy. Well, you better take it easy, Lawler, because if you ever get into the ring with these two men, if you ever have the guts to sign the contract that says beware, enter the ring at your own risk, danger. If you ever have that kind of guts, Lawler, just sign the contract, because we're not going anywhere. We're still right here, and we're still waiting for you, Tomahawk. We didn't get these world championship belts pushing baby buggies around. What am I doing on this stinking show? What are we doing on this stinking show? Lawler, are you retired or something now? Why don't you get your tights on and do a little more than talking and climbing the ring? 
You're too smart. You don't want to. Tell him that. Come on, Lawler! I thought you were supposed to be so bad! Pull off your strap and the people go crazy! You know what we think of that? That's what we think of that! We don't think nothing! Why don't you get yourself a partner and challenge the Warriors? That's right. You know there's not a lot you can count on, but count on this. When the Legion of Doom comes to Memphis, you're never going to see anything like it in your whole life. You're going down, Lawler. Okay, uh, <laughs> those are the Road Warriors with Paul Ellering. And Randy, you little goof, <laughs> we have a T-shirt for you. Even though you are a wimp, we're going to send this out and you can wear this and try to be a man. All right? Hmm, the roadies <laughs> responding to Jerry Lawler. They'll, they welcome the opportunity to get in the ring with him. Drop the strap, Lawler. You know what they think of that? <laughs> or whatever the hell kind of noise animal made there. <laughs> That's a weird thing of that. Uh, and Randy the Little Goofy gets a King Lawler shirt to boot. Well, if I was that little goof Randy, I would think it was super cool that my favorite tag team cut a promo on Lawler based off of my letter that I wrote in, in theory anyway. So, right. Uh, Pretty theory. cool. Oh, well, say, how long do you think Lawler was sitting on that, that letter before he read it? <laughs> how long it took him to get the roadies to, to cut a promo real quick for him? It's so funny that, like you said, for a baby face to shit all over a little kid, <laughs> even though he did write a letter about Imagine it. Imagine how many times he read this letter. Now, we all know that he does not read these letters for the first time here on the segment. No. But when he opens up the segment, when it starts and it says, Dear Queen Lawler, Jerry, like, he's literally, it felt so real. He goes, ha! Huh. Dear Queen Lawler. <laughs> like, he was just like, seriously, huh? So, like, he's just been sitting on this for who knows how long, and it's still eating at him. How dare this kid? He's, he's like, I'm going to embarrass this little shit right on TV. I'm going <laughs> to call him a wimp and question his manhood. And it's like, you know, years later, the WWF has this be a star campaign and don't bully people. Lawler bullying some little kid on Memphis TV in 1985. Well, if I was Randy Simpson, I'd have been going to school. Did you hear him talk about me? Yeah, he called. Well, I don't care what he called me. You know, I hope he still has that shirt and sold it on eBay. As uh, yeah. we, we continue on, Jerry Lawler, he begins showing off some type of a weird pro wrestling game that I wasn't even familiar with. But it's at this point I noticed that his hand and the papers in his hand are disappearing behind the supposed TV screen that he talks to on the wall. And I wrote, well, I'll be damned. That's a superimposed video screen. There's no TV on the wall. Next thing you'll tell me is that Gorilla and Bobby were staring at a blank wall on primetime, too. Oh, my God. What, do you think there's a chance these matches might be fixed? Hmm. Rigged wrestling? I don't think so. As uh, we continue on, though, it's time for the bad guys segment. Lawler giving equal play to both sides. We heard from Jimmy Valiant. Now it's off to the Adrian Street on the quote-unquote video wall. Of course, we know that that's no longer real. But Randy Savage looking for Adrian Street later today at the Mid-South Coliseum, and Street says he's easy to find. Macho Man is the epitome of American manhood. Street asks, why is he so butch? His voice sounds like his throat has been sandpapered. I loved it. <laughs> well, good call, Adrian. I mean, that's, uh, that's a pretty accurate depiction of Randy's voice, that's for sure. As the King says, Adrian Street likes to kiss his opponents, while Macho Man has the kiss of death waiting, says Lawler. I wrote, very entertaining show this week. Has this been Jimmy Valiant? And of course, well, this and even, even the viewer mail segment this week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was, we come out, I mean, usually 
you know, it has its moments, but uh, we come out of the gate strong and pretty much delivered all the way through. I didn't know how they were going to follow up Jimmy Valiant, but they're not doing a, a bad job by any means. As we continue on, Lawler encouraging everybody to call the wrestling hotline, 685-6969. I encourage you guys not to call that number, but if you do, let us know what happens. Up next, yeah. it's Gene Dixon as the car show is in town, Gene. Uh, Gene Dixon, the show director of the 11th Annual International Car Show at the Cook Convention Center. And there they're going to have the Fall Guy truck, Kit from Knight Rider, General Lee from Dukes of Hazard, and the A-Team van. And even Mr. T will be there. No, wait, that's just a Mr. T lookalike. It's uh, apparently Tom Hardy, the, I can't believe this is a thing, the National Mr. T Lookalike Contest winner. Although they do point out he's bigger than Mr. T. Holy shit. You know, I would, I'd have been so <laughs> there for that. Every bit of that, the fall guy truck, the 18 van, generally all that. And then a dude that looked like Mr. T, but even bigger. <laughs> oh yeah. Try to stop me from going. If I was in Memphis, man, I don't know if it was Memphis or because it was just 1985, but by like 1990, man, they were killing it with the car show here in Cleveland. I mean, it was like, Ian Zeering from 90210, uh, Mario Lopez from Saved by the Bell, AC Slater. You know, it's like the Swedish bikini team. And then, you know, yeah. we, got, we got a Mr. T lookalike here back in 85 Memphis. I don't know what's going on. Maybe they need a new show director. Perhaps. That might have been Gene Dixon's last, <laughs> last card show after that one. True to his word, Jimmy Hart will indeed be there. Several wrestlers going to be there next weekend at the card show, including Johnny Wilhoit in the morning. Also, the Batten Twins, Jimmy Hart, and the Macho Man. One of these things is not like, well, I guess two, Jimmy Hart and Macho, but it's like, well, we kick things off with Will Hoyt, so you know nobody's there. The Battens then follow him. Of course, that you know that means you know maybe a few more people are there. And then it's finally Jimmy Hart and the Macho Man. That must be prime time. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that was years, 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 and years before the lonely Virgil picture was taken at a wrestling convention. <laughs> Johnny Wilhoy's line probably looked much the same. Oh, if only, only uh, can who, who are you? I'm the guy that does those drop kicks. Oh, and then you lose. Yeah, I lose. Okay. Well, my partner usually does, but, you know, I'm in it too. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, you don't lose. Your partner does? Oh, okay. As uh, we continue on, 3 p.m. special start time here on Sunday, January 27th at the Mid-South Coliseum. Remember, special price attendance, reportedly 5,000 fans here for 10 big matches, including Tojo Yamamoto and Johnny Wilhoit. Wilhoit here subbing for Steve Kyle, who was announced, but much like Steve-O decided not to show up. So it's Wilhoit and Yamamoto over Danny Hager and Joe Lightfoot. Rock and roll Buck Zumhoff battling Lanny Poffo to a 10-minute time limit draw. Sadly, Eight minutes of that will air on TV. Then Johnny Wilhoit and uh, more action. It's Wilhoit over Kevin Kelly. So I guess that's what happens to Nails after he refuses to, to take a bump on TV. That's right. Next time you'll take that body slam, buddy. Well, here it is. The big matchup. Uncle Elmer's hair at stake. Playboy Frazier taking on the 15. No, scratch that. $500 of the Batten Twins. And it is Frazier getting his money back, defeating both Mark and Brad Batten. We continue on the Daydreamers. <sighs> Constance and Ashley under those hoods. Well, that's what we're told anyway, as uh, they defeat the Nightmares by disqualification when Danny Davis blatantly choking out one of the Daydreamers with a rope thrown in the ring from Jimmy Hart. Match goes seven minutes. It's on the arena show. I wrote, wait, didn't Jimmy Hart just say on TV that he was <laughs> done with all other tag teams? What's up with that, Jimmy? I lied, baby. <laughs> well, two words for you. I lied. <laughs> 
Well, you said baby. Okay, three words. Sorry, guys. As uh, we continue on with That's the That's just night. like a period for him. It doesn't count. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, man. Here we go. Macho Man Randy Savage battling exotic Adrian Street to a no contest. The Dirty White Boys defeating the Terminators by disqualification. Boogie Woogie Man Jimmy Valiant over the Mid-American Champion Iron Mike Sharp by disqualification. And uh, I, I'm over with this feud, by the way, this Valiant Mike Sharp thing. I've seen enough of this. Do you think you are? You imagine these people that had to sit through a few of these. Oh, okay. Okay. We drew 5,000. Would have been six if I wasn't on the card. Oh, okay. Jesus, look at... Hmm. Yeah, I know. We'll get to it at the end. <laughs> oh, up next, it's the big one. The Southern title. Southern heavyweight champion. Texas deathmatch. Jerry Lawler battling hot stuff. Eddie Gilbert to a no contest. I hope that this match is on one of these arena shows. I want to see how a Texas death match goes to a no contest only in Memphis. And worse yet, the Southern title is held up. Didn't we just see this with the tag belts? Unbelievable. Are we trying to kill the freaking town? What yeah. the hell are we doing? We're not how even done no yet. Contest, DQs and no contests in a row. And then you have a Freaking Texas Deathmatch go to a no contest where titles are held up and the tag team titles? Like, how the fuck do you do that in the same card? Yeah, double main event. Gilbert and Lawler, the Texas Deathmatch, no contest. And the main event, the other main event, the Fabs go to a no contest with the interns as well. So we have 10 matches, seven of them non-finishes. The other three, just prelim matches. Dirty white boys couldn't even beat the fucking Terminators. They'd go over by DQ. I mean, that's when it's time to leave the territory. If they won't put you over the freaking Terminators after you've just laid down for the <laughs> interns every which way, fuck a bunch of that. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no kidding. So I, I looked at this, and I, I came to an epiphany, and, and maybe I'm wrong, and I'm not defending this booking by any means because I do not like this booking at all, but I'm wondering – and I feel like Jerry Lawler has the book right now, but I, I also could be wrong there. No matter who has the book, I'm wondering, we see so many shows being canceled right now all over the territory. Is this just a matter of let's just do what we can get away with until this weather passes, do you think? I mean, it's possible, but I can't understand. I mean, I understand maybe the main, you know, or even the last two, but why would you have non-finishes up and down the freaking card? I mean, some of these matches, like, just give the fans a fucking finish because what does it matter? I mean, bullshit finish with the Daydreamers? I mean, you could have just had them just win. They've lost how many times now? Right. A draw with Buck Zumhoff and Lanny freaking Poffo? Yeah, I'm surprised you figure when you, when you know the final six matches on your card are all going to end in disqualification or a no contest. You think you'd at least put Lanny Poffo over Buck Zumhoff on the undercard. It's it's really yeah. weird booking. It's so weird. Yeah, I don't even know how to defend it. Like I, I feel like each each week people are like, boy, well, I don't understand why y'all love this Memphis stuff so much. All these years I've heard about all the great booking in Memphis, and like they can't book a fucking clean finish to save their life. No, it's 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 a pretty rough moment. That's why I said at the beginning of the show, I can't wait until we, we get out of the winter here. And things kind of pick up because there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I promise all of you guys out there, we're doing our damnedest with what we got to work with right now. We're having some fun. It's, it is, but man, like when you book a Texas death match with a no contest and hold the title up at the end of a Texas death match, like then why did you have it? Have a match that lends itself to a non-finish then, you know, it's like, 
it's 2024 and I'm sitting here angry. I didn't even buy a ticket to this, but I'm like so fucking annoyed right now. It's like, <sighs> well, I sit here and I look at all of these, you know, non finishes, whatever you schmozzes as Bret Hart would call them. And, <laughs> but I'm looking at all of this and it's, it's just weird. Now, if that is the only thing they do on the show that ends in a DQ, no contest or whatever, I'm less angry. If they hadn't already just stripped the tag titles from the interns and we got that whole big ass tournament, I'd be even less angry, you know, but with yeah. all of that and all of this, and then you give us this and then you, another title's held up. It's just unbelievable. I just remember being a kid, like when my dad would take me and my buddies to Columbus, to the continental shows or Tupelo to the Memphis house shows and us all talking in the car about the card and, you know, what was good, what we liked and what we didn't like and what we'd want to see the next time. I just can't imagine you piling in the car, going home and being like, okay, wait a minute. That one was DQ. Like, that sucked. Like, <laughs> we didn't see anything tonight. We saw a bunch of bullshit tonight. Like, I, well, that's what you get for four, five, six, and one dollar, I guess. I guess so. Yeah, at least you didn't spend much on it. There's that anyway. There, there is that. Uh, so we continue on. Now, normally Monday night is the Mid South Coliseum, but with it on Sunday here, they go off to Grenada, Mississippi at the high school January 28th. No results there. Jerry Lawler and Jimmy Valiant both off to Japan, so probably a little bit of a light card. Uh, but we will move on to January 29th, Tuesday at the Louisville Gardens and the Southern Tag Team Title Tournament. You heard me right, guys. Remember we talked about that bicycle, the loop. Uh, here in Louisville, we haven't crowned new tag team champions yet. And in fact, a lot of times, whatever you saw in Memphis happened again in Louisville. Lots of title changes happened in both towns uh, on different weeks. So even though the interns have been the tag team champions again for a couple of weeks, defeating the Rock and Rolls, they're coming to town here in Louisville for another tournament as the titles are still held up here. Uh, just a tad bit confusing. Yeah, folks. So just to clarify what Ray's telling you, this tournament in Louisville is to clear up the first time the titles were held up. Right. Not the second time. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of odd. So they brought the Rock and Roll Express in for the Memphis tournament. This time around, they're bringing the Fabs in as the ringer. We're going to see what happens here in just a little bit. But first, we're off to our final piece of sound bites this week. It's Lance Russell going to interview the interns, Stan Lane in that cap and sunglasses, the Dirty White Boys, and Lanny Poffo. Tuesday night, the Louisville Gardens, big action of the Southern Tag Team Title Tournament. The first round pairings will go with the Nightmares against the Daydreamers. Terminators going against Yamamoto and Kyle. The Patton Brothers against Adrian Street and Danny Hager. Randy Savage, Lanny Poppo face Kevin Kelly and Joe Lightfoot. The interns against the Dirty White Boys and also Stan and Steve, the fabulous ones, facing Eddie Gilbert and Iron Mike Sharp. Eleven matches in all, there will be a winner coming up Tuesday night, the Louisville Gardens. You guys wouldn't agree to a return match if Eddie Marlin had nothing to do but schedule no the tournament. Lance Russell would agree to a return match when we beat those dirty white boys right out straight, and we were the champions. Right. Now they got a big there tournament, go. Jack. They got all the people in the world. Stan and Steve, the fabulous ones. 11 big teams in it right here, baby, for our belt. Well, Jack, I'm going to tell you something, baby. Tuesday night, when the smoke clears and the dust settles, I guarantee the interns going to be the new, once again, Southern Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. All right, baby. Well, we'll start out with we'll see it Tuesday. 
Tuesday night, Louisville Gardens going to be a Southern Tag Team Tournament. Listen to the first round pairings. The Nightmares against the Daydreamers. Terminators against Yamamoto and Steve Kyle. The Batten Brothers against Street and Danny Hager. Randy Savage and Lanny Popo against Kevin Kelly and Joe Lightfoot. The Interns against the Dirty White Boys. And Eddie Gilbert and Iron Mike Sharp will be going against the Fabulous Ones. Right now, let's listen to Stan Lane. You know, the Fabulous Ones have been all over the country for the past nine months, but now we feel like it's time to come home. And I'm talking to you, Louisville, Kentucky, one of the biggest tag team tournaments ever to be held in Louisville Gardens. And Stan and Steve, the Fabulous Ones, are going to be there. Eddie Gilbert, you tried to mock us. You tried to steal what it took us years to perfect. We're coming for you and your partner, Iron Mike Sharp. We got you in the very first round, so guys, get ready for a mouthful of dust because you're going to be biting it. The Fabs want those belts back, brother, and there's a lot of other teams to do, too. You're going to have to be right here. That's on Tuesday, Louisville Gardens, Southern Tag Team Tournament, 11 matches in all. You can't afford to miss this one. Okay, final word to remind you, coming up next Tuesday. First, let me say this, Wednesday, February the 20th, Championship Wrestling at Owenton, Kentucky. And by golly, next Tuesday, right here, 11 matches to decide the Southern Tag Team title holders. The titles are vacant. One of the matches will be the team of Kevin Kelly and Joe Lightfoot going against the impressive team of Lanny Poffo and Randy Savage. Well, we're not going to underestimate those opponents. No way. No, you're talking Southern Tag Team titles. And uh, we get rid of them. We go on to either the interns or the dirty white boy so it gets crazy later on That's it gets right. crazy gotta win several before it's all through Lynn. Joe Lightfoot speaks with forked tongue him and anybody's a lousy tag team combination we'll find out that's just one of the matches and I'll tell you one is going to be something else dirty white boys opening round you got the interns your chance to get it back you know some of the interns want to stand out here and say hey we beat the dirty white boys time after time this shouldn't be a tournament but if anybody watched that little videotape y'all had on here earlier they see the only reason the belts are held up the only reason the belts aren't around our waist right now is because of Jimmy Hart. Well, interns, we got you in the first round. I won't tell you something, big boys. Bring on out to the ring in Louisville. We're going to get nasty. We're going to get dirty right off the start, brother. The dirty white boys ain't asking for no favors. The Southern Tag Team title's on the line. Tag Team Tournament, Louisville, Kentucky. Be ready for it, Jack. Be ready for the dirty white boy. Okay, that's next Tuesday. You'll see that match. You'll see the fabulous ones who will be against Gilbert and Sharp. Lots of other action next Tuesday for the tournament. Stan Lane, he says he's coming home to Louisville. How many homes do the Fabs have here? You have to wonder. Uh, the interns are uh, going to take on the Dirty White Boys, much like the Memphis version in the first round, and the winner of that going to take on, I guess it would be the Macho Man and Lanny Poffo. So when you think about it, the interns, they went through, obviously, the Dirty White Boys, Macho Man and Lanny Poffo, and eventually the Fabs here in this tournament. So well, just like Memphis, they really they pushed them over strong. Yeah, they did. Um, I just picture Stan Lane sitting there with the list and going down. We're coming home to Jonesboro, Arkansas. Just every town that was home, you know. Like <laughs> We're coming home to Grenada, Mississippi. We're not working that town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we look at the card here. It's the, the Nightmares and the Daydreamers in the first round. The Terminators versus Tojo. Well, they say Steve Kyle, but we realize he doesn't return. So likely Johnny Wilhoyt or something along those lines. Danny Hager and Adrian Street versus the Battens. Macho Man and Lanny Poffo going to defeat Kevin Kelly and Lightfoot in the opening round. I bet Nails sold for the Macho Man. I I'm betting. Um, also, obviously, we know the intern's going to defeat the Dirty White Boys and the Fabs over Eddie Gilbert and Mike Sharp. I don't know all of the brackets here. I don't have all the results in front of me. So uh, we do know that the finish is going to see the interns steal another one out from the Fabs, though, and once again become the Southern Tag Team Champions. What are the odds that they win both tournaments. Could you imagine how screwy it would have been if we had had two different Southern Tag Team Champions in two different cities? 
It would be. And then the irony of if somehow the Fabs went over in that one, but then they end up wrestling, you know, they end up facing off and getting them held up between those two teams again in Memphis a few weeks later. It's, I just, it's so weird to think if, if, you know, somebody traveled around, happened to be going out of town and going to that area and had just watched this tournament unfold in Memphis and then somehow end up in Louisville and they're like <laughs> watching it unfold again. Not exactly the same, but the same result, you know, right, like right. how do you explain that in kayfabe? Cause I know that happened from time oh, the, to time. It had, had to, have, had to, have. you know, I mean, I know they used to do, you know, Foley talked about in his book that there were, you know, some of the people that went from, you know, would make the loop from time to time and watch them lose the tag titles. You know, him and Gary Young dropped the Southern tag titles every night in <laughs> four different <laughs> cities, you know, right. it's like, yeah, I don't even know how you well, address I, that. But. I mean, Louisville, obviously there's secondary town right now outside of Memphis, but all the other towns, they seem to be referencing the Memphis Southern tag title tournament, but here in Louisville, yeah. they, they get their own. And I, I you know, I, I don't know if I overlooked this in a past episode or not, but there's actually footage on one of these videos. You guys can go check it out on YouTube of the finish of the matchup between the white boys and the interns that held the titles up in Louisville, the exact same finish that we saw in Memphis. So the titles held up in both cities with the same finish, uh, the same outcome. So, and then we get the tournament in both cities as well. So I, we, we had wondered because we saw in Nashville, uh, we wondered if they, they did the same angle there. I, and I pondered, there's no way they would do the double pin in multiple cities, but Apparently they did, at least in Memphis and Louisville, leading to this tournament here. Which makes you assume that they probably went over in the finals in the exact same fashion that they went over the Rock and Roll Express that would in have the been, other tournament. That would have so, been my guess. I would also guess they defeated the Dirty White Boys in the first round the same way as well. Exactly. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> crazy times, the territory days, guys. As uh, we continue on, though, later in the week, Thursday, January 31st, the Fairgrounds Arena in Nashville. The advertised card there was Buck Zumhoff and Kevin Kelly. The Battens taking on Playboy Frazier. Boy, they're way behind time in, in Nashville. It's the Battens getting $500 if Stan Frazier cannot defeat both of them. So we're a couple weeks behind here in Nashville with the Battens and Playboy. Also on the card, boy, this just keeps going on. Nightmares and Daydreamers. Lanny Poffo and Adrian Street. Dirty White Boys taking on the team of Iron Mike Sharp and Jimmy Hart. We'll come back to that in just a second. And in the main event, uh, Jerry Lawler picking and choosing his towns, but he's not here this week at all. He's in Japan. So it is the Macho Man Randy Savage taking on Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert in a Texas death match. Fun little uh, main event. Actually, I would have might have enjoyed this more than, than Lawler. But, uh, yeah, I want to go back to Jimmy Hart working a lot of matches lately. Do you think that they're just, like, light on talent? I Yeah, I assume so. Um it's just really weird after you've booked the Dirty White Boys initially pretty strong that now they're teaming against Mike Sharp and Jimmy Hart and how Jimmy Hart doesn't just get destroyed in it, which I'm I'm pretty sure they've probably found a way around it. Yeah, to put Jimmy Hart in a tag match and almost presenting him as just an equal part because you know, we heard some promos about you know our last episode where they were promoting some of those matches. They were just kinda promoting it just like any other tag match so i would i'd love to see footage of the dirty white boys against sharp and jimmy hart and absolutely would kill to see some of that texas death match with savage and eddie gilbert for sure oh oh for sure the the barbed wire and the texas death matches between those two yeah absolutely i just you know i look at this here jimmy hart and mike sharp and you almost wonder did they go over because we've seen a lot of weird booking like that especially protecting mike sharp but 
more so, we got to remember just a couple weeks ago on TV, Dirty White Boys were like in every segment. They were doing everything they could to get that team over. And then they, they show up on the Lawler show in studio as guests. Maybe they, you know, they tore down TGI Fridays or something and got demoted on the card. I don't really know what's going on here, but uh, the White Boys, you know, obviously it's less than ideal opponents here. They're not even really feuding with Mike Sharp. I guess you could argue, well, Jimmy Hart, it's one of his stable uh, members, so it makes sense. I guess it does, but still just odd booking in general. Yeah, and like you said, they spent a lot of time to build the Dirty White Boys up to just beat them like drums after that, you know. Um, <laughs> they, yeah, it's really weird. Yeah. I felt like they had something planned for them long-term, and based on the upcoming results, uh, uh, I don't know that they're going to be here a whole lot longer. It's just, just really odd in general. I don't know if they gave notice or something happened. I'm not really sure what happens here, but what do you expect from a couple of Dirty White Boys, you know? We continue on. One more show here. We're going to look at Blytheville, Arkansas. Uh, February 1st, that's Friday night. Another Texas death match headlining the show between the Macho Man and Eddie Gilbert. All of these matches, you'd think somebody had something somewhere. I really wish this would have took place at the Coliseum. Maybe we would have seen a little of it. But uh, also on the card, it was Joe Lightfoot and Lanny Poffo, Nightmares and Daydreamers, Adrian Street and Johnny Wilhoyt. Again, Dirty White Boys versus Jimmy Hart and Mike Sharp. And like I said, Texas Deathmatch headlining there. So up next, Gene, before we come back, guys, I just want to warn everybody, it's winter weather going on right now in the Memphis Territory, if you haven't followed by now. The blizzard of 1985 still around, and it'll strike again. Next week, we're going to hear Lance Russell admit that several cards are going to be canceled upcoming, sadly. Also, uh, there's going to be a limited number of superstars showing up next week on TV. Going to make for a fun episode, a very special episode. I don't know if you know what I'm getting at here. <laughs> yeah, um, that's the thing yeah, is, is when that weather hits Memphis, I, I've, I've been up north some and I know up there, you know, you guys, they, they treat the roads, they plow the roads and, you know, the world doesn't stop. But, in you know, Memphis and down below where I was at, it didn't take much winter weather to just stop everything. And if these guys couldn't get to the studio, we still had a live show to do. So we just got to do a show with who's there. And boy, that gets interesting. Boy, does it ever. Uh, sadly, it's going to mark the final appearance I do believe of Jimmy Hart on Memphis TV. That it does. And that is not something I'm excited about, but it is the reality. Yeah. Remember guys, we're in 1985 and Jimmy Hart appears at the very first WrestleMania. He was there before that. And of course, WrestleMania at the end of March, we're heading into February We're we're in February. We just looked at Blytheville on February 1st. So Jimmy Hart, not long for the Memphis territory at this point, he's off to New York to bigger and better things. But first a very memorable episode. Uh, between Jimmy Hart and Lance Russell here next week. I can't wait to get into that. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I'll I'll play Jimmy Hart and you play Lance Russell oh, as I far can't as reactions. Wait. And <laughs> I can't fun. wait. It's going to be a tremendous episode next time around regional wrestling. <laughs> when we head into the month of February here in 1985 in the Memphis Territory, Gene, once again, I know you've been under the weather fighting kind of a flu there. Uh, but you were kind of worried about how you sounded, but I think it was a fun show, man. I really appreciate you doing this. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you uh, working around it. I had a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm glad I didn't sound too bad. That was my only concern. I knew I felt because you know you were very adamant about you know, hey, man, if you're not feeling up to it, we don't have to we don't have to record this week. And right. uh, I was uh, I was feeling up to it, but I was concerned because earlier in the day at work, I was I was sounding kind of rough, but I managed to. Uh, clear some more <laughs> junk out of my head and 
by the end of the day, I was I was sounding a lot better, and I actually sound better right now than I have in in over a week. So we lucked out. You know, just a quick plug here at the end of the show too. Gene has volunteered to my very first tryout of the the video cast that we're going to be doing here with the WrestleCopia brand, and Gene has uh, volunteered so kindly to do the very first one with us. And since it's sort of a test the waters kind of a deal. Uh, we're going to kick things off with a fun little show. Uh, we're going to do Grunt the Wrestling Movie. I don't know if I mentioned that last time around or not, but uh, that's going to be a fun one. It's a fun story if you guys are into hokey wrestling movies. I, but I love all the talent that's involved. Dick Murdoch, Dick Byer without his mask, the Destroyer. They're the Grunt Brothers in the movie. Adrian Street is all over the movie. But the story is ludicrous as it is. And I'll just uh, very briefly here. It starts off with the wrestler, and he basically kills another wrestler in the ring, and he disappears. But then a new wrestler reappears under a hood, and uh, these guys, they, they travel they travel around for the entire duration of the movie, trying to figure out the guy under the mask is uh, Mad Dog Joe DiCurso, if I'm telling this story right. I haven't watched it in about 20-some years, but I do believe that's that's the entire point of this. And, uh, well, well, we'll see what happens by the end of the movie. Well, let's just, let's just point out, though, the guy didn't mean to kill person in the ring it was it was just a terrible terrible accident but i remember watching this you know back around the time it came out in like 85 which is perfect right. for this time frame that we're yeah. in yeah uh and i but i remember watching it probably around 86 or 87 renting it at the video store and, and saw it a couple times over the years but a lot of the humor of it was kind of lost on me back then but going back and watching it more recently now, don't get me wrong. It's a dumb wrestling movie, but there actually is some really funny lines in it and some things that I missed the first time around that I know we're going to have a, a lot of fun with. And I'm not going to spoil it here by, by saying a couple of them, but folks, I'm, I'm telling you, trust me. And it's great is this was just something that I said, like this offhand, we were doing this show and talking about Adrian Street and that movie came up and I was like, man, we should do a watch along on it. And Ray like locked in on that. And he's like, yes, and uh, we're doing it. And I'm excited. This is going to be fun for people who don't know about this movie. If you've never seen it or if you haven't seen it in a long time or if you watched it yesterday, uh, this is this is going to be a blast. So please check this out because it's a fun movie and as ray pointed out it's a great preview a little window into the future of uh new content coming from russell copia these these you know watch along video casts oh they're gonna be uh, a fun time man they're gonna <laughs> it's, it's gonna be a fun some time. of the some of the things you've told me that you have in store wow i'm, I'm excited whether i'm a part of them or watching you with the various other co-hosts they're gonna be a lot of fun to watch and we'll probably pop a few up on YouTube, but for the most part, it will be through Patreon for various reasons. And for anybody who wants to find Grunt the Wrestling Movie, I have seen that somebody posted it on YouTube. Pretty easy to access, about a 90-minute movie or so, I do believe. But for those who would like a copy, uh, get a hold of me through Patreon, and uh, I can try to uh, guide you uh, to where you need to be. As, uh, but that's that's enough for now. Well, it's coming very soon, guys. Grunt the Wrestling Movie, the video cast here as the WrestleCropia brand rolls on. And we'll be back soon, Gene, with another edition of Regional Wrestling as we head into the month of February here in 1985. I can't wait, man. Like you said, we're going to bid farewell to Jimmy Hart, and that makes me sad. But we're also going to bid farewell to a few of these other folks and have some new people, new faces coming in. And I'm excited about that. So it's going to be a fair trade, I believe, moving forward. Business is picking up indeed. Just stay tuned, guys. We appreciate your listening each and every week here on the Regional Wrestling Podcast. Going to be back soon. Thank you again, Gene Jackson. 
Anytime, my brother. All right, guys, it's going to wrap it up here this week. And of course, you guys can follow me, Ray Russell, on X at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also, Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. And we'll be back soon with more of that Georgia 81, Memphis 85, and UWF 86 right here on the Regional Wrestling Podcast, where we talk the territories. Oh, 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 o